Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. 2,000 years ago, his words came to pass. AD 70, Jerusalem surrounded by armies. The temple destroyed. Sacrifices ceased. The end of the age. So where are we at on the prophetic timeline of history? Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And that we have been made kings and priests to reign here on earth. The Revelation Red Pill, the kingdom of God is now. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hey guys, welcome back to Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays. We have with us Serge DeRosa, Jason Heidinger, and Corey Gray in the house. Welcome back. Guys, I'm so glad that you're here. I cannot wait for tonight. Yes, I am excited. Let's do this. Good night. We have something new, though. We have new guests. We do have new guests. Uh -oh. We have um, baby chicks. So if you're oh. looking to the to the right of Corey Gray, I think it is. Yeah, the right of Corey Gray. There, they're they're not on. They're not. Uh, they're, it's like the uh, Jurassic Park. Are there going to be any dinosaurs on this dino tour? They're all to this. They are going to come back on camera. There was just one there a second ago. Okay. So we have a chick cam. Baby chicks in the house. They are so cute that I've decided I think I need to always have baby chicks. Yeah, they're fun. So that we can have a chick cam going. I don't know how to set up a camera like outside for the chickens. Corey, and how many chickens do you have? Zero. What? You had roosters in the background just today on your thing. Yeah, they're, we have wild chickens everywhere. So if you need a chicken, you can just go catch one. But we call them yard chicken. <laughs> so guys, for those of you that don't know, we message back and forth and a lot of times it's it's audio with Serge and Jason and Corey and Corey is in Nicaragua and your Corey's messages today were laden with very vocal roosters throughout <laughs> actually. It was a yeah, nice That's course. been part of my podcasting problem has been the roosters. Yep. <laughs> is it a problem though, really? I love them. At first, yeah, because we had this one that would climb a tree and it had like a broken voice box. So it, for years, that was a problem. Yes. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Broken voice box. You know what? I'm going to make an analogy out of that. That's kind of what the church has had for the past 150 years. Whoa. Ever since this modern end times theory has come into play. So tonight we're going to take you down the healing path of finding your voice box again as the church. Welcome to Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays, where everybody's voice box needs to be working about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is now. I love that. Leah wrote the script for the intro that we do here, and so I got to read it with fervor. Yeah. You know, the kingdom of God <clears throat> is now. All right. And I think you stole that from Corey, Yeah, by the way. if you guys are just joining us, tonight is going to be very fun enlightening and i hope that you guys all go get your bibles go get your highlighters and your pens and your notebooks because you're gonna learn and your a lot. family and your friends and your dogs and your well, cats that should be without they need the saying. message too because okay. as Corey reminds us always that god came to save the planet he loved the planet even the animals and everything in it that's yeah. why he came and saved us i learned so trees. much from this man yep. So this yep. week, as I was, we're getting ready for uh, this Wednesday here, and if you guys, um, I want you to watch our previous episodes where you get to know Serge and Jason and Corey, and they actually did an episode that's on our um, Rumble channel where you get to know a little bit more about them. Corey, his past was absolutely amazing. He was in prison, read the whole Bible, God delivered him some, from demons, 
And he came out with a victorious view of the church and he entered the church. And then they were telling him, no, we're all just, you know, going to go to hell in a handbasket. And um, Serge, he and, and Jason have their own testimonies. Um, and I want you guys to go and watch that because it's it's a really great kingdom round table. Go yeah. subscribe on Rumble right now. Go right now. You can leave. You'll come back. Kingdom Round Table on Rumble. It's very simple. Kingdom Round Table. It's a channel on Rumble. And they're going to be doing shows every Monday, some of which we will be on. You're not going to want to miss those because those yeah. are definitely a more... I love the discussion platform of that. I thought it was awesome. So, I really enjoyed that. I'm so glad that you guys came last week with an open mind. And I hope that this week we answer some more of your questions. And I'm glad if you came back, if you came last week or the, and the week before and you're back this week... Thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad you're here because as Corey was just messaging me, can we just get to the part? What did you say, Corey? I said, can we just tell him what happened? Satan's been judged and take over the planet. <laughs> and we take over the planet. Yeah. So you guys are uh, very, I should say, astute. And you want to know. You want to know the facts. You just don't take somebody's word for it. So we're not going to have you just take our word for it. But we will ask you to take the words word for it. That was really good. I know, right? And so this week I wrote this. Um, what is the Revelation red pill? It is the last red pill the church, the truthers, and the conservatives need to swallow in order to be victorious. Where were you when you first heard about the creation of the Federal Reserve in 1913? In the dark of night, passed in the winter break of Congress, crafted by greedy bankers who didn't want to be regulated? When did you first hear about the deep state? The infinite number of unelected career bureaucrats who really run this country, the FBI, the CIA, the CDC, and the FDA. Who told you how to pull your kids from public indoctrination centers that we call public schools? When did you learn about GMOs and pesticides and fluoride and other chemicals poisoning our food and water? Before you knew all these things, you were propping up the system that seeks to destroy humanity, but you didn't know it. What if I told you the modern end times theory is also propping up the enemy, giving him more power than he rightfully has? So what is modern end times theory? In a nutshell, it's that the world is going to get worse and worse before Jesus comes back to rescue us and punish the wicked. Some believe Christians will be taken out before the punishments are poured out on the wicked, which is called the rapture. Others believe Christians will suffer through the punishments, calling it the Great Tribulation. Many people um, believe, based on Daniel's prophecy of 70 weeks, that this time will last seven years. Most modern evangelicals fall into pre-, mid-, or post-trib uh, tribulation eschatology and eschatology is the study of end times the thing is this is not the eschatology meaning the study of end times that many historical church leaders had and certainly not the theology of the pilgrims the puritans or the founding fathers they fall into a camp known as post-millennial that the great tribulation was over and they were bringing christ's majestic reign on earth for an infinite number of years the pilgrims came with a 500-year plan. The founding fathers were building a nation for endless generations to come. They believed in Isaiah 9 that of the increase of Christ's government and peace, there would be no end. And that as Christ brings justice, good, goodness, just governments led by Christian principles, and that would be the working out of Christ's church into the farthest reaches of the world. Great missionary movements were started in America with this in mind. 
Why are we doing this weekly series? Simple. The Bible says all authority was given into Jesus and he has entered into his kingdom now, not sometime in the future. Jesus will never have more power or authority than when he ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. The Bible says that Christians reign with him in his kingdom um, as priest and king, and we are to pray God's will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. This means if we reign in heaven, we should pray that we have kingdom authority here on earth. We are Christ's hands and feet. The Bible says God saw no one bringing justice, so he did it himself. We are commissioned to bring justice to every situation we can. If we believe the devil has more authority than he does, or if bad things happen, they are God's will, then we won't try to make things better because we would just be getting in the way of Jesus coming back. We wouldn't try to vote in good candidates or fix rotten elections. Instead, we would cheer when Biden gets away with corruption or the WHO issues lockdown or masking orders. We wouldn't uh, fund our, our friends, Banners for Freedom or Attorney Tom Renz, who are fighting tyranny. We wouldn't stop sex trafficking or fight for a good future for your kids and grandkids. Why paint the Titanic? That's Johnny Enlow said that this week. I was laughing. <laughs> but I read something different in the Bible. I read that I can cast out demons anywhere, anytime. I can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Be of good cheer for Christ has overcome the world. So how do we explain Matthew 24? Are you telling me that it won't happen? What about Revelation? What about the mark of the beast? The 666, great, the great seals. What if I told you the great tribulation was never intended for you or this generation, but was predicted and perfectly fulfilled against the very generation that crucified Christ, persecuted believers, and turned their backs on the covenant promises of God, instead going after Rome like a harlot, in debt, indeed seeking Rome to crucify the very Messiah they said they were waiting for. And people, given a chance to let him go, chose a zealot named Barabbas, calling curses upon their heads and their children, as well as proving their great harlotry, shouting, we have no king but Caesar. Revelation has been a hard book to get through through centuries. Martin Luther did not even believe it was canon as it was too fantastical. Many others wrote commentaries on every book but Revelation. Revelation literally means the revealing, the revealing of Christ. The first verse gives us the most important clue. This is the revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ. John had walked very closely with Jesus. In his own gospel, he called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. His own gospel. That's kind of a little bit arrogant, but I'm the disciple that Jesus loved, but I'm going to write that in the third person. Um, I would do it. Yeah. He understood the true meaning of the last days and recorded an interesting exchange between Peter and uh, Jesus on the topic of martyrdom and the coming of Christ. Jesus tells the disciples, many will die for his sake in the gospel. And Peter points to John and John writes this and says, what about that guy? And Jesus responds, what is it to you if he remains alive until I return? Indeed, John is recorded to have lived to a very old age, possibly 85 or 90, and certainly was alive to see the destruction of Jer Jerusalem. A destruction we will present to you was indeed the great tribulation Jesus spoke of in the Olivet Discourse. There are parallel passages found in Mark 13, Luke 21, and famously Mark uh, Matthew 24. We're going to get there tonight. This occurred in the years between AD 67 and AD 70, down to the minutest detail Jesus predicted. The Jewish people had had enough of Roman rule and decided to go to war. They were led by intensely trained fighters called the Zealots. Simon was one of them, and he put his sword down to usher in the kingdom of God with love. Rome responded to this rebellion by destroying all of Jerusalem. If the Great Tribulation has already passed, 
And by the looks of it, Jesus isn't coming back anytime soon. What hope do we have? Every hope in the world. Modern end times theory takes all the best passages in the Old Testament and God's promises on this earth, or as Corey says, the planet, not another renewed planet. Um, you can see Isaiah and the new heaven and new earth and transfers them to a future time for Israel. But we are the new Jerusalem. We are the temple of the living God. The whole earth is now the promised land. We just have to take it back. You can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You are fighting principalities and powers who are squatting. They are squatters in the White House. They are squatters from everywhere from Chicago to Brazil to the UK. Basically, those seats of government are ripe for the taking by righteous men and women of God. Which Corey's doing in Nicaragua, by the way. Absolutely. The whole earth groans for the revealing of the of God. You, we are supposed to make things right. We are supposed to stop Monsanto, the WEF, but we can only do so when we exert our kingdom authority. And we can't do that until we first repent, let Christ clean up our lives, and then ask his spirit to gift us with the tools we need. We have not because we ask not, and we don't ask because we don't know who we are. In week one, our round table with pastors Corey Gray, Serge Rosa, and Jason Heidinger kicked us off with an overview of Matthew 23 and 24, and we dove headfirst into the promises of Abraham. Corey showed us how we are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. What promise? Romans 4.13. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole planet to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis 12, one through three. Then in Genesis 17, three through five, he continues. I am the almighty God walk before me faithfully and blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. At this, Abraham fell on his face and said, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, you, but you will be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. When Abraham arrived in the land, in Genesis 26, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, um, after they arrived there, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. We are seeing God affirming the promises of Abraham to his son Isaac. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. When Abraham lived in Israel, God made him a promise. He said, I will give you this land for your descendants. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your descendants as numerous as a star in the sky. So we see four blessings, offspring, land, the blessing of Abraham himself, and the blessing of the nations through Abram. We are now called to be seeds. And Corey presented that in week one. And I'm so excited to take that and build upon that to show you that this is more than you guys could ever imagine. You have all power. You have all authority. And we are only losing if we choose to lose. So welcome to this week. We're going to dive into Matthew 23 and Matthew 24 and Hopefully, we'll see how far we get. And um, I was kind of hoping that maybe, Corey, you could give us an overview of these chapters, Matthew 23, 24, and 25. Yeah, it's going to be hard to top that. <laughs> that was an awesome intro. You went through a powerful explanation of the gospel and the promise. And a lot of people don't know the promise and the blessing of Abraham. That's what we have to look forward to. And it's huge. It says Christ died on a tree so that we would have the blessing of Abraham and receive the promise 
of the Spirit. And uh, it's not the promise that you would get the Holy Spirit. It's the promise the Spirit of the Lord gave to Abraham that we would possess the nation. So good job. Um, all right, so Matthew 23, 24, even 25. But I'll just cover 23, 24, because 25 is a whole nother deal. Um, but they are all three connected. And you guys need to know that when you're reading Matthew 23, 24, 25. Now, the common view in the church is that these are all talking to our future, right? That there's no way any of this has happened yet, but there are some key things that you need to realize from 23 and 24 is Jesus said to the Pharisees, first of all, we have to learn something called reader relevance, which most people don't want to do when they read the Bible. They, if they've been believing a lie, right? But if you're open, reader relevance simply means who was Jesus talking to, right? What is the context? Because people say, well, he's talking to me, right? Well, yeah, we're always learning and reaping, but there are places in the Bible, even John the Baptist, he's like, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Um, that was talking to them that came out there, right? It's not talking to you. But Matthew 23, Jesus starts going off on the Pharisees, right? And he's like, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Okay, so we have to realize Matthew 23 is talking to the Pharisees. And then in Matthew 24, we have to apply the same thing and realize who is he talking to in Matthew 24, which it says that he is on the Mount of Olives talking privately to his disciples. Okay, and then Jesus said, to the Pharisees, all this bloodshed is going to fall on this generation, talking to the Pharisees. And then in 24, he says that all these things, they ask, what signs shall there be? He said, you will see this, you will see that. And then he said, all these things will happen in this generation. And so if we were using our logical minds and reading this without preconceived filters, put on us, we would say, wow, something must have happened. <laughs> he, he said in that generation, you know, and we learn to read context, reader relevance in elementary school. But for some reason, because we've had these preconceived ideas impressed into us, these false imaginations pushed into us, and, and we can know that these end times theologies, many of them are false because there's so many of them. That's good. Right. So if there was, if we had it figured out, there wouldn't be a hundred different views. And for me, that was clear enough that people didn't know what they were talking about to make me discover more. So I'm not going to go too far in depth with the overview, but just be open and ready because we're going to present to you evidence of what has already happened. We are sitting on mountains of evidence <laughs> that this happened and that's not pulling the rug out from you. It's putting a better rug under you. Saying, look, we got so much to look forward to. The authority is in our hands now. We're not waiting on some event in the future to get authority. All thrones on earth were created by and for the Lord Jesus. And God's children are to manifest, set creation free now, not later. No, and that's, that's the lie the devil wants. Wait, guys, wait. Just wait. Nope. Yeah, in school, we, we learned the who, what, why, when, and how. So yep. who are you talking to? What are they talking about? When was it written? 
Um, you know, how would, how is this to be applied? Serge, I was wondering if you would mind bringing up Matthew 23 and kind of Did just... Did Corey do the overview? He, 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 a little bit, but Matthew 23 has got a lot in it. Okay. And I was wondering, uh, Serge, if you could get us into Matthew 23 a little bit. Yeah, we can go straight into that. And I wanted to say a couple of things. I was taught for, I've been a Christian 30 something years and I was taught that whole time that we were to look forward to these things happening. And in Matthew 24, you know, we talk about the signs of the times. That's where everybody goes to. All these things will happen. When you see the earthquakes, that's the one that everybody picks out. The earthquakes and the wars. Man, there's so much war on this earth. And, you know, it never really, it never really happens. The, the earthquakes happens. The war happens. But we never really see the end coming. We see a lot of earthquakes and a lot of war over the right. last 2,000 years. And, you know... As Corey said, this stuff is, we're not so much challenging your doctrine. It's more of an invitation to step into the full life that Christ has for us. Mm. So, it, you know, none of us wants to, as I always say, none of us wants to believe lies right. or things that aren't the truth. So we're presenting you this passage, this these chapters within their context. Right. And it's something to look at and it's something to consider. And so, and I'll, I'll tell you this. The Passion Translation is a big deal in the church right now. A lot of people love the Passion Translation. Well, go read the footnote in the Passion Translation at uh, Matthew 24.2. It talks about this being fulfilled. Wow. How this prophecy was fulfilled. So there's a lot of people getting a hold of this. But let's jump into Matthew 23. And uh, you can start out with verse 1. Yeah. It says, Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to the, the uh, disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Now, right there, it's showing you the context in which, in which is going on. And actually, this conversation starts sev several chapters before this. But right here, we see who Jesus is starting to talk about. The scribes, they were the ones who interpreted scripture, who scribed the scriptures out from one text to another. And then you had the Pharisees. They're the ones who taught. And then you had those who in Moses' seat. They were like the they were like in the, the governance of the of of the temple. And so um I want to jump down to verse 13. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You can jump down to verse 15. It says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. It keeps saying, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. Look at verse 13 again. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow others who are entering to go in. Hmm. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. You devour widows' houses. For a pretense, make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater, you will receive greater condemnation. Yeah. So he's not talking to the whole world. We think that Matthew 23, 24, 25 is talking about the whole world, but he's not talking about the whole world. He's telling you who he's talking about right here. That's good. You want to, do you want to keep going? Yeah. Verse 16. Woe to you blind guides. You who say whoever swears by the temple is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated to perform it. 
It's just Jesus starts going to through all these reasons why judgment was coming on that that generation or or why it was coming upon the scribes and the Pharisees. Um, There's a whole bunch of woes, and you see the same kind of woes in Revelation. Yep. Why don't you go to uh, verse 24? Yep. Verse 24, blind guides who stain out the gnat and swallow the camel. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, just keep going and, and kind of just show, make yeah. the case here. Um, and Jason, you can yes. jump in if you want. This is a scathing, scathing yeah. rebuke. rebuke. It's, 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 it's worse than, you don't have a right word for it. I mean, this is... Right. He is so, angrier at them than anybody in the entire world. Right. Am I right? It's a verbal lashing. Yes. And me and Jason talk about this, but it was the 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 darkness on the world had come to its fullness. Yeah, they were as corrupt as corrupt could be, and you'll start seeing it in all these that we're reading. Verse twenty five, it's like, "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of extortion and self indulgence." Right. They were corrupt people, governing the government, the the kingdom of God, so to speak. They were governing the temple. And God's people, full of extortion and self-indulgence. They were corrupt, blind Pharisees. First cleanse the outside of the dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Mm. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. They were hypocrites. There were one way in front of the people, but a different way outside. Yeah. You outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, because you you build the tombs of the prophets Mm. and adorn the monuments of the righteous. And say, if we had lived in those days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Yeah. You you see, they're, they're... the generations before them killed every single prophet that God sent to them. Yeah. God was, God was reaching out, but they would kill every single prophet. And then they were soon getting ready to kill Jesus. Yeah. And they knew who they were going to kill. I want to insert something real quick because I'm reading the comments. And I understand that maybe this might be the first episode for some of you. Yeah. Um, Jack is already asking because Jack was on our live earlier. Okay, Jack uh, says, so who was the Antichrist, the false prophets back then? We're going to get into all of that. We're gonna, we understand that when we present this to you, your brain is going to start firing with all of these questions. We're not going to be able to address them all at once, like in every episode, <laughs> because everyone's going to have these questions. And I'm really excited that you're having these questions. Um, yeah. And then Debbie says, that is now. I'm not sure what you're referring to, but let me let me say this to everyone that's watching and listening. We have been so, we've grown so accustomed as the body of Christ to read the word and allow it to come alive to us and apply to us in our situation right now. When you read the Old Testament about the stories of the uh, the Israelites fleeing Egypt. Let's take that story for an example. You understand that that story was for them, but God can use it and speak to us right now yes. with what we're going through in society, but it literally happened to those people. So here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do for the sake of Revelation Red Pill and, and, and these Wednesdays. What we want you to do, because you're already really good at applying scripture to your life right now, we want you to view a lot of this, especially when we're going down to, to Matthew 23, 
24 and 25 as a history lesson. There's going to be other yes. episodes where we're going to show you this applies to right now. This is what we walk in. Corey and Serge and Jason are excellent at doing that. The kingdom life and how we live it and all of that. That we will get into. But for tonight's episode specifically, this is we want to immerse you back in history to just like you were so learning a story about the children of Israel the, leaving Egypt. Here's the answer to that. Who would be the scribes and Pharisees now? No, right. who would be the exactly. be the antichrist She's, and the false prophets they back are, then? Who would well, who would be them back now? Right. But she was saying this is Oh no, now. no, the question was so yes. who was the antichrist? Question mark. The false prophets back then? question mark yeah no. no that's a really good question um there is no and you see it's very interesting this this is going to blow your mind there is look in the new testament there's no antichrist there's no the antichrist there is a man of lawlessness and there are many antichrists even now there are many antichrists okay an antichrist is just a spirit against Christ. It is those Judaizers and those Jews who were against the Messiah. And a lot of times what happens is we conflate the beast of Revelation with the antichrist. And there is no the antichrist. It's not in the New Testament. It is It is something something that's kind of, there's a man Many of all Christ will rise. And in the book of 1 John, he says, we know it is the last hour for many antichrists have rose and right you know we yeah so what we're about to get into with i think the next verse we talk about is we do have to look at this as some of this may have happened we can't be naive and say oh none of this has ever happened it's always in our future because that's what everybody's always been doing but there's proof that the temple was actually destroyed because it's not there anymore yes <laughs> right exactly. and the thing about that is, is that means we're not in the age of Moses anymore either, right? Because they had to worship in that specific temple. Jesus said a time is coming where you won't worship here nor there. And yeah. so, yeah, what you're saying is is just hear us out before you, you jump to your conclusions. Yes. Because some of this stuff, we're going to present the case that it happened. And you can, you know, do what you yeah. will with it because it's going to talk about a specific generation and, and we need to cover that for people to understand what we're saying so Jesus is, yeah jesus is really mad and feel free to jump in here anytime yes. jason if you want jesus came to end an old end a covenant a marriage he had made a covenant a blood covenant with sacrifices with the Israelites, that if they followed him, if they followed him to the letter of the law, then he would bless them. He would be their husband. We are talking about the greatest divorce ever known and will ever be known in history. God went to Abraham and he started with this covenant. And then he blessed the children of Israel and he gave them the law. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He had them build a temple and he had the tabernacle and the temple and they worshiped God and they served him. And throughout history, the prophets would prophesy of a Messiah. The prophets would prophesy of an ending of these old ways that, it, you know, it says that God is not pleased with the blood of bulls and goats. He, 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 they longed for a new day, another day. But it would come with great tribulation and it would come with judgment because you can't just randomly say, you know what? And maybe Serge or Jason, you can jump in on this. You don't, God hates divorce. God isn't just going to say, you know what? I'm just kind of done now and I'm just going to get a new bride. What do you, what right. say you, Jason? Yeah, he's a, uh, 
he doesn't do that. He gave them ample time. He actually gave them, if you studied out, from the time Christ died on the cross to his fall in the temple, depending who you read, it's 36 to 40 years. He gave them a whole generation to come alongside and say, hey, this is where I'm heading. We're going into a better covenant, the new covenant. And there, for 40 years from when Christ died to the fall of the temple, the two, the two covenants ran side by side, basically. Yes. You had the temple. They were still going to worship. And they were still, they were together. But when the fall of the temple, they can no longer sacrifice. They can no longer do anything. The ceremony parts of the Mosaic law, they cannot fulfill. That covenant, the final straw was when the temple fell. And it was only left with the new covenant, which included all the people of the earth. The whole planet was included in the new covenant, in the better covenant. And that included Gentiles and Jews. And everybody that believed on Christ was included in that generation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so good. And and we're talking about uh, in Matthew 23, it says, uh, verse 33, you serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send to you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you kill and you crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. He's looking at them. And so we see in the book of Acts, he's prophesying what happens in the book of Acts. I'm sending you my disciples. I'm sending you all these people and you're going to persecute them and you are going to kill them. Okay. He's looking them, put yourself in that position for just one second. Jesus is the son of God. And he's looking at the people who held the covenant. They held the keys to the covenant. Do you guys have any um, thoughts on, on what that was. I mean, Serge, you kind of talked a little bit about the seat of Moses, what it meant for these religious leaders to kind of hold like the seat and the high priest, like they were the, weren't they like the gateway to God for people? Yeah. And since they were, you know, I, I want to back up just a second. What we're showing you is that this has already happened and we're proving it to you. And what you just read, Leah, it shows that, you know, in verse 31, it says, therefore, you're a witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. That's right. We aren't those people. Right. We're not the ones that God sent in prophet and, and uh, prophets to. And people are, there's not even a synagogue anymore that it's talking about. Right. So it's not talking about our generation. It's not talking about this age. It's talking to a specific group of people where there were scribes and there were Pharisees, those who are the, as it says, as you read, it was, it says, uh, sons of those who murdered the prophets. Right. It's not talking to us. It's talking to a Jewish messianic time period age, those people. Yeah. And we, it's very clear that this is not talking to the whole world. Yeah. They had to go, like they went to temple. How often? I don't remember how often they went to their temple, yeah. but then, uh, these scrolls would be there. Like they didn't have Bibles in their homes, right? So they met and the Pharisees, like you had said, would interpret the, 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 the Bible to them. They would teach them. And when they would go to the priest, the priest would actually kind of show them kind of what to do on how to um, get remission from sins. I mean, it was their only way to make sure that they were going to go to heaven, right? Right. Yep. Well, and then in verse 33, it calls them that generation. Yeah, verse yeah. 31 and, and verse 33. So we're seeing this generation play over and over again. And yeah. um, he says, you're going to kill all these people. And then 
Uh, Serge, how about you go on, on verse 35 there? Yeah. This is pretty intense. Yeah, Can I cover you... something with 34? Yeah, yeah sure. Because it talks about the killing of the prophets, wise men, scribes. Who did Jesus send out? He sent out the 12. How yeah. many of them were still alive in 70 AD? I think it's one. Just about, just John. Just John. So the very people Christ spent his ministry three and a half years raising up, only one existed in 70 AD. Yeah. Those were the very people that he raised up pro as prophets, as scribes, writing letters, writing our New Testament gospel that we have, and only one was alive. And that fulfills that scripture. You can see that the very people he picked didn't make it through that generation. And then that goes to John. You guys, Jesus predicted. He said, you all are going to die for me. Yeah. And Peter points to John and says, what about this guy? And Jesus says, what is it to you if he remains until I come? Ooh. That's and, and this is so powerful. And then here's the proof. Guys, this is not a conspiracy theory. John was the only one alive in 8070. I can put A and B together and C is C. I could see. So I want to, again, because I'm monitoring the comments. And Christic, I'm so glad that you are here and that you are engaging in your reading. Um, you're doing Matthew 24 in your comments. We are in Matthew 23. I want to encourage you and challenge you. Rather than posing your challenging questions of 24, which we will get to tonight, by the way, and we have answers. I can tell you, there are some things that we don't have solid answers for. They're very few, by the way. On the large and on the whole, every single thing that anyone would try to post to us about, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? We yeah. have an answer for that, but this series is going to take weeks to address all of them because so, there's so many. Hang on, I'm almost done. And so when we're looking at all of these questions that you have here, please we're, stay. I would encourage you to put down Matthew 24 for a second. We'll come to it. We'll get to that. Stick with us in Matthew 24 and pay attention. And then I promise you, we will address if all the verses stick and questions you have for 24. Just please do. I will love you for it. Yeah. But I you cannot you guys... understand Matthew 24 without understanding Matthew 23. You exactly. cannot. You will miss the exactly. context. Exactly. And that's the problem. It, the Bible has to be taken in context. And we have to understand that the Bible was only separated into chapters in like 1100 AD. So the Bible wasn't written. The Bible was written in Greek. And it, Greek actually doesn't have chapters and verses. It's just one long stream of thought. It doesn't even have stinking paragraphs. Okay, so somebody else broke these things up. And so when you see a flow, you kind of need to go with that flow. But I want you guys to write down John 21. Jesus answered to Peter, because Peter's like, what about this guy? You know, they were kind of like yeah. brothers and sisters, like Michelle and I, what about that guy? Okay, about important <laughs> things. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it that, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, John wrote this about himself in the third person. The rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? Now, I want to bring up another scripture that might throw a little wrench in your little spokes, guys. Just go with me on this. Um, Matthew 10, just to think. Is he still alive? Sorry. Is he still alive? Yeah, not that I know of. Oh, that's a good point. Because how old would he have to be? Like at least 2,000 years old. 
So I, you sure he's not alive? Pretty sure he's, he's not alive. Supposed Corey. to be alive when Jesus I comes. Love, I, love, I love you, Corey. Matthew. There, Matthew there are actually some prophecy, some some prophets that that are saying that he is alive. Oh, yeah. Wow. Is it? Is it their prophecy say he's in some cave in? Those brutal That's the new. That one. is a conspiracy theory, and I guys. I try not to roll my eyes at stuff because I don't want to seem arrogant or have hubris. I'm All not right. going to roll anymore. Okay, so. I'm going to take you to, you. before okay. we go to Matthew, we're going to, we're going to finish up Matthew 23 and we're going to get to the, like the punchline scripture of Matthew 23. That's going to, we're going to yes. jump into Matthew Let's 24 of the scripture, but I want to go to Matthew 10 real quick. We're okay. Cannonball. Okay. We're going to cannonball in. There we go. All right. So Matthew 10, 22 and 23 says, and, and this is another one of those apocalyptic chapters that is parallel to Matthew 24. And you will be hated of all men for my sake. And but he that endures to the end, the end, and we're talking about, and Corey can talk about this, the end of the age basically shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For I truly say unto you, you will not have gone over all the cities of Israel till the Son of Man come. What what say you guys about that? I think we're going to hit that in the next Okay, okay. Chapter. I'm just so excited because that... Uh, <laughs> it's plain to me. I don't know what everybody's tripping on, so... Corey's like, this what? is just Stop, smooth sailing. Corey didn't grow up in the church, so he doesn't have to get the toxin out of his body, okay? Michelle well, it says you will Let's not finish... I mean, just imagine it, and then you can get it. You will not finish going through all the cities of Israel, not the planet, Israel, before the Son of Man returns. People say, well, no, no, no. You're saying he returned already? No, the Bible said that he they wouldn't finish going preaching in right. the cities of Israel before his return. The Bible says that. And she just said that, yeah. he, that John will still be alive at the return of the Lord. Okay, I'm going to back it up There's just a scriptures. little bit before we go to Matthew 24. I know I, I hadn't planned on this, but this I opened up my Bible to Matthew 10. And I was like, whoa, okay. So Matthew 10, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. This is really important okay so the these 12 jesus sent forth and commanded them saying um don't go to the gentiles yet okay and i want you to go to just the children of israel don't even go to the samaritans go to the lost sheep of israel and as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick cleanse the lepers raise the dead cast out devils freely you have received freely good give he goes say what and and into whatsoever city or town you shall enter inquire uh who is worthy and there stay until you leave and when you come into a house salute it and if the house be worthy let your peace to come upon upon it i'm gonna get to a point here and whosoever doesn't receive you nor hear your words when you depart shake the dust off your feet verily i say unto you it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment for that city that ignores those disciples. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as servants and harmless of doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. Okay? You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake and for a testimony against them of the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, don't take, don't worry about what you're going to speak for it will be given to you in that same hour. And we know in the book of Acts that the disciples were constantly being brought before the synagogues, before the rulers to the point, to the point this was a fulfilled prophecy where I believe it was John and Peter who were brought and, and 
uh, the the Pharisees said, "Are they? Aren't these just guys? Just kind of ignorant fishermen? How is it that they can explain the things of God to us?" So that's a confirmed prophecy. Yeah. Um, and for it is, uh, for it's not um, you that speak, but the Spirit of the Father that speaks in you. And brother will deliver up brother to death, and father the child, and the children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. You guys, this happened. I wait, 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 and yeah. I was brainwashed to the end times theory my entire life. Well. When brother starts rising up against brother and turning him yep. in and you see the jail cells in the left behind movies and all that ridiculousness and it's the mom that turns in the son for preaching the gospel or saying, you know, whatever. That's, we were told my entire life that that scripture applied to us and it was yeah. going to happen. Like for sure in my generation, absolutely unequivocally and there would be jail bars in, involved. But there's, then there's, the, then there there's no, that scripture. A there, go ahead. Go ahead. There's no way you cannot think that that belongs to us. There's no way that you can think that that is for the future. There's absolutely no way. It is plain Jane simple. My 15-year-old my, my kid could read that and immediately understand that that already happened, that that's for them, that's not for me. That has nothing to do with me. Because he says right there, the next verses are what I read to you in the beginning. And when they persecute you into the city, flee to another... I surely I say unto you, you will not have gone over all the cities of Israel till the Son of Man come. And then exactly. we hand me the is it Josephus over there? Josephus is down there. Okay, so in um, oh here it is. So when you read the works of Josephus, which I have done, by the way, it's he it's is intense. a he is the the consummate Authority. Jewish historian that was yeah. he was parallel contemporary to. So there's the, the Antiquities of the Jews where he goes over kind of the Old Testament. And then there's the Wars of the Jews where he talks about what happened pretty much prior or after Jesus died leading up to 70 AD. He was part of the revolt. He but was one, born in 37 AD. So four years, uh, well, seven years. However but what I want to get to, and I don't have it bookmarked here and I should, and I'm sorry. But he does say that brother would turn their, their own brother in, in. this literally is a historical fact. He's a historian that was not a Christian, by the way, but he's a, the leading historian of the time where even secular historians go to Josephus for facts from what happened during that time period. And he quite yeah. literally says that brother would turn on brother. It's part of the historical facts. Yeah. All right. So let's get and to this. Um, wait, I think Jason you, had something. You know what? And even when I went through Bible school, it's crazy. Even the Jewish families today, if somebody accepts Jesus, they're excommunicated. Yeah. It still happens in the Jewish culture. He was directing it directly at what the Jewish custom was. If you left the Jewish faith, That's good. Yeah. you were dead to your brothers and your sisters. That's yeah. not how we live as believers. Right. That was to the Jewish culture, and they still do it today. That was one that shocked me when I went through. Uh, they basically do what if you leave Islam. Because it was in the same class, they right. showed if you leave Islam or you leave the Jewish faith, the same things basically happen. And this was taught right. to me at Bible school just three years ago. Right. No, that's and so good. Let's what? get to the. Um, Wait, have okay. something. Yeah, I want. I want to just put sure. it into perspective just a little bit deeper. If you were in school and the teacher gave you Matthew twenty three and twenty four, and she said, "I want you to read this and do a report on it," and you came back. 
and said, man, I'm a little concerned because this stuff's going to come upon me. <laughs> You're like, what book did you just read? Did you not just read the first few verses or the first few sentences? It's ridiculous to think that that is coming upon us. It is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You, you have to read it for what it says. Scribes, you scribes, you Pharisees. Verse 37 says, oh, you Jerusalem. It is not talking about the whole world. It is not talking about you Christians. Yeah, I think if some, let's just read 35 through uh, 39. We haven't let's heard just, from Corey in a while. Let's just, well, let's get yeah. that done. Let's I'm get this done so Corey people, read it. Okay, 35. Give Corey the bomb. Let's read 35 through 30, 39, and then people will know our punchline. Go ahead, Corey. Cool. I was hoping to read that. You guys ready? Yeah. yeah. All right. So 35, it says, so that upon you in your chair listening, just joking. <laughs> so upon you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. 36. Truly, I tell you, all this will come on this generation. Boom. That means it's coming 2,000 years later, Corey. Stop it. Our sarcasm yeah, so, may not be helpful. No, it's not. But <laughs> it's funny. It's funny, else. but I mean, people need to know but what we that's mean. What, yeah. That's what I've been told, though. Yeah. I know. And, and most people have been told that, so they're hearing this for the first time. So what I want to say real fast, guys, it says, truly I tell you, all this will happen on this generation. Jesus was calling out these false teachers who had been hindering the people from entering into what God had for them, right? And they had put these burdens on their back, and the prophets talked about them over and over, which I have some scriptures from the Old Testament where God was trying to get them to repent. They didn't. Okay, just we're going to destroy Jerusalem. Then Jesus came to Jerusalem, saw the Pharisees, called them out, and said, all this bloodshed's coming on this generation. Remember, context, he's talking to them, right? Are you a Pharisee, a scribe, a, a whitewashed tomb? No, okay, it's talking to them, so we have to realize, and people say, yeah, I see that. Okay, great, well, when we get to 24, apply the same reasoning because it's not talking to you there either yeah okay it's, it's talking to the disciples telling them the same thing this generation this generation and so to give just a little back drop on the generation thing i had it right here here you guys go ahead and and jump in and i'll i have one thing go, go ahead so uh, sir do you want to be at 20 did you want somebody to jump in while you got something no, I got it. So okay. if we go to, I just don't have it open yet, but numbers 32 here. Yeah. Jump in and I'll pull it up so I can. How about 37? Who wants to read 37? Go for it, Jason. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Mm. You guys, okay. that's so, one generation. 
the yeah. generation yeah. thing, we have to let the Bible interpret the Bible, right? right? And I wanted to pour up the scripture about there's multiple scriptures that define what a generation okay. is according to the word of God. But one of them, and you guys can look there, it's in Hebrews also, but Numbers 32, 13 says the Lord's, and that's Numbers 32, 13, the Lord's anger burned against Israel and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years. Remember that number, 40 years mm. until the whole generation mm. of those who had done evil in his sight was gone. So when he said in that generation, for us to think 2000 years, that's millennium. That's not a generation. And we've been thinking illogically saying that, oh, it's talking about this generation. Oh, with the Lord, a day is a thousand. Dude, that's not God's timeline. Okay, that's what people say that ha can't make sense of this. Yeah. But we're going to make sense of it for you and show you that these things did happen in that generation. Just yeah. like Jesus said, we're not teaching some like it's crazy to me. People are teaching it didn't happen in a generation mm -hmm. yep. and trying to make those pieces fit. It did happen in that generation, like Jesus said. Yeah. And so, yeah. No, that's so good. So now we're going to dive in. Are you guys ready? Because I was going to do a couple more scriptures to lay down the foundation uh, to why. Well, you guys just want to go to Matthew 24. So let's just go there. Can and I read a comment before we yeah. get there? Because I just want to encourage everyone as uh, be, that there are so many people that are coming and listening with an open heart and an open mind. And I want to personally thank you guys yeah. for coming. Jack says, this is all new info for me. In the Baptist church, we have not been taught kingdom living. I will be discussing this with my brother who is a Bible history major. I am looking with an open heart. Thank you, Jack. I am so glad that you are here, Jack, and you are listening yep. and listening with an open heart. And I believe that as you tune in, I would encourage you to go watch episodes one and two that we've already done and the Kingdom Roundtable that Corey and Jason and Serge did on Monday night, which is also on our channel and the Kingdom Roundtable channel. Go and watch these things. And I think that you will see that as, as we are presenting this case everything is going to change and it's going to set you free it's, it, it gives you power and authority that these doctrines are telling you have to wait for yeah, we're, yeah. We're, people think we're like Amen. pulling the rug out from under them and, and breaking their their good news but no the good news is that all nations will be blessed galatians 3 says the gospel is all nations will be blessed well they get blessed because those thrones jesus paid for us to be kings literal kings spiritual kings and so this is going to give you the complete victory that yeah. we claim we have. Christic right? says, I just binge watched all of them yesterday and today. No and way. And you're still going tonight. You get like 10 stars. Yes. Lord have mercy. That's awesome. I don't okay, even know. So <laughs> hey, if we can do that with Netflix, we can do that with this. That's so, right. I come love on. it. As we, come on. As, as we dive into, you know? Matt, if you guys want to follow along, I do have on Isaiah uh, I'll put the link in the, the chat. Red Pill, uh, the Red Pill Academy that we did. Um, we did it. It's um, go, Michelle put it I'm in gonna, the link. Yeah. So the ax is laid at the root. When I, I was just outside picking up sticks. So that means if the axe is laid at the root, then that tree is coming down. Okay. So first Kings yes. nine, nine, seven says, I will cut off Israel of the land, which I have given them. And this house, which I have hallowed for my name, I will cast out of my sight. Okay. So these prophecies correspond with historical events, which shortly came to pass in Jesus's generation in 8070, just 40 years after Jesus uttered the words of Matthew 24 on the 15th of Nisan, 70 AD, the national Jewish temple was surrounded by the Jewish Jewish armies of Titus and it was sacked exactly the same date in the same month as the first temple burned down in BC 586. You guys, 
I'm not even kidding you. This is the day that the Jewish people mourn because it's the exact same day. Boom. So here's the thing. I just when when we say that the coming of man, the coming of the Son of Man, I'm telling you that only Jesus could destroy the temple. He may have used the Roman armies. When he says he's coming with a thousand of his angels, Jesus is the only one. And the power of God's on me really strongly right now. No man could destroy the temple. Can I get an amen? Amen. It had to be Jesus, amen. right? It had to be Jesus because that was the Holy of Holies. Because like in the Old Testament, if you just touched the ark, you would die. So no man could have killed. I mean, like, yes, he used Rome, but it was Jesus. And that's what he's saying. I'm going to come. I'm going to destroy this. It has to be me, right? So it was then plundered, dismantled stone by stone. Its walls leveled to the ground. The land plowed up and salted so that nothing would even grow. And finally, it was sold along with Judea. The human cost was appalling. At the time of Passover, there were approximately 3 million people trapped in the holy city. Of these, approximately 1 million died. 1 million. Tell me this. Hey, guys, Corey, Jason, do you think if 1 million Jews were going to die, do you think that that would have been prophesied? Absolutely. Yeah. God prophesied everything, did he not? Would he not? He, would it's he a not? pretty big deal. This One is what they, they have. Yeah, they've yeah, been worshiping this way. Why haven't we taught that history lesson in church that the temple was destroyed and 1.1 million Jews were Cause, killed? Because we don't know. We don't know. Why? Corey. Why? We haven't been taught. We we don't we don't know our history. Matthew 24 says the temple going to be destroyed. Yep. Yeah. But they say it's the planet, right? One million right. died deaths of famine. Um, they were injured. 97,000 were taken captive and sold to work in Egyptian mines or eaten by wild beasts in the Roman yes. uh, theaters. The decimation of this nation was cataclysmic. It was absolutely total. It was definitive. The subject of a detailed prophecy fulfilled as recorded by eyewitness historian uh, Flavius Josephus in his work, The Wars of the Jews. Okay. What's interesting is that in Luke 21... It's the same as Matthew 24, and he says, and we're going to get into it right now. Let's get into, um, so, let's get into uh, the generation. Can I say something? Yeah. yeah. So what, what Leah's talking about is the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Yeah. And why is she going there? Because that's what Jesus is talking about. We just established in chapter 23 that the conversation is talking about the scribes, the Pharisees, those who sat in the governance of the temple in Jerusalem, that the, the judgment was coming on them. The judgment was coming on the temple, and the judgment was coming on Jerusalem, and not Jesus on the entire world. And Jesus warned everybody. He was and warning they, yes. them. He warned yes. them. His entire ministry, he right. warned them. Turn and repent. Turn yes. and repent. Judgment is coming. Judgment right. is coming. It's going to be total like you've never seen before. It is the prophecy that's going to be fulfilled. He's warning them and he's saying, it will come upon you. It will come upon your children. It will come upon this generation. You guys better be ready. Yes. It's coming. I want to add something here too for you guys, again, for more context. And, and I know that this has taken a while for us to get through and I'm going to try not to interrupt too much because you guys are, are, are are, you know, big hitters here. 
However, for me personally, like I think about when you were talking about how the priests would go in and they would they would go in and they would do sacrifices for the people. They would go into the Holy of Holies. We see this with Zechariah right before John the Baptist. They had to have a rope tied around them because if they went in and the wrath of God hit them, they would die. Okay, that's how powerful the power of God was in that place. So don't tell me that, like Leah said, mankind could have destroyed that, right? So the priests themselves had to have a rope tied around them so that if they died, they could be pulled out because nobody else is going in there to get them because then they'll die too. This is how intense it was at the time. So when we're talking about the destruction of the temple and the destruction of Jerusalem and the uh, 1.1 million Jews dying, understand that there's something so much larger than even that. That's the physical that we see. What was happening was a rendering. Uh, this divorce was, it was not just, it was metaphysical that was happening, right? When the veil is torn in two, that happened when Jesus died. And then again in 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed and God literally took his hand I am no longer bringing my spirit to these people. You and I, we are not one people anymore. That is so huge what happened between God and the children of Israel. We, it is, it is apostasy that we do not talk about it yeah. in church. All this right, is let's, ridiculous. Let's get into Matthew 24. Who wants to start with the first, um, I guess, let's go to one. Let's just read verses one and two and just kind of park on two. I'll right read there. that. So as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. And the reason I wanted to read that is they're walking out of the temple and they look back. And he says, guys, look. Not one of these stones. Yeah. There's not a third temple. It's Jesus. So Jesus would have to come back, walk outside the temple again, and say these stones. It was the temple that he had just left in 23. Yeah. He's walking out of the temple yeah. after teaching. Will yeah. you scribes? Will you Pharisees? And now they leave. And they're walking down the steps. Yeah. And he turns back and says, this temple. Yeah. The temple that was standing there when yes. Jesus was alive where sacrifices were actively happening. Yes. He said not one stone. These are these married chapters. You can't divorce 23 from yes. 24. They are going together. And I will give you Josephus writes, Caesar gave orders that they should now demolish the entire city and temple, but they should leave as many of the towers standing as were of the greatest imminency. That is, Phasilius and Hippicus uh, and uh, Marion May and so much of the wall as enclosed the city on the west side. But for all of the rest of the wall, it was so thoroughly laid, even with the ground by those that dug it up to the foundation, that there was nothing left to make those that came thither to believe it had ever, ever been inhabited. They didn't go, they didn't just knock this building down. They went ballistic. They, they tore dug up, up the, the foundation. foundation. Okay, that's that's, that's actually that's absolutely crazy, right? Okay, so what? When it, who wants Jason to, can just keep reading. Okay, this. go ahead, Jason. Uh, so verse three. Verse three. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, "Tell us 
what will when will these things be and what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age oh who wants wait, to wait, take wait. that does it say age or does it say world I'm reading this as age. It's Anon. It's Anon. So, Corey, Serge, you guys can tell the difference between the end of the cosmos and the end of the Anon? Anon? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go All ahead. right, go ahead, Serge. I've done it plenty of times. Go for <laughs> it. Well, yeah, it's so I'm convinced that the devil's had a plan to make people think it's the end of the world for a long time instead of the end of him on the world. Um, but the word is. Aeon, all right, A-E-O-N, however you want to say it in Greek, it's Aeon, a messianic time period. What will be the end of the messianic time period? It's not the word cosmos, which is what the word world is. God so loved the world, cosmos. So it's two different words. And so I don't know how you can accidentally mix those up either, King James Bible. <laughs> I know some, some people only have King James, so that's why they think it's talking about the planet. But yeah. even the the title says end of the, like, does, how many of y'all's title in Matthew 24 says destruction of the temple foretold? Mm. The title of Matthew 24 is the destruction of the temple foretold in the RSV. Yeah. They revised it. And then yeah. it I think says that's uncontrovertible. Verse, yeah. And then in the verse three, it says signs of the end of the age. Yeah. Yeah. But people think it's into the planet. But it says right there, what are the signs of these things? What things? The falling yeah. of all those buildings, yes. right? So Michelle has in the links, and maybe just put it again. You guys can follow along with this blog because in 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 11, Paul says, For they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the age has come. Exactly. It means that the Corinthian Christians had lived and witnessed the completion of the Mosaic and early epochs. Verse 29 says, Christ himself appeared and put away sin once at the end of the ages. P uh, that, oh, that was Hebrew, uh, Hebrews uh, 9.26. Peter said he indeed was foreordained, but was manifest in these last times for you. First Peter 1.20. The author of Hebrews said that God has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Hebrews 1.2. James, writing to Christians in his day, said, You have heaped up treasure in the last days, James 5.3. On the day of Pentecost, Peter applied the prophecy of Joel and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which said, What, guys, it shall come to pass on these last days. And then, since the divinely inspired apostles said that they were living in the last days, at the end of the age, their question regarding the end of the age in Matthew 24.3 must apply to something that occurred in their own generation. The context and the manner in which the New Testament uses this terminology prove that they wanted to know when the temple would be destroyed and the Mosaic economy would end to the disciples, the destruction of the temple, the end of the sacrifice system and the end of Israel as a special covenant nation was exceedingly radical. From the time of Moses, the true covenant religion was organized around one central sanctuary. If a person wanted to join himself to the true religion, he or she would have to essentially become part of the covenant nation, uh, like Ruth did. Remember? With the coming of Christ, however, true worship would exist anywhere in the world where believers gathered, hear the preaching of the word, sing psalms, and partake in the sacrament. 
sacraments. As Jesus had promised, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Also, no longer did people have to become Jews in order to follow God and the disciples. The New Covenant Temple is a multinational pan-ethnic body of the Christ Church. And I didn't write that. That okay, so back to Encristic, and I'm, I'm so glad that you're in the chat and you are have an open mind, says, are you suggesting Christ's coming was at the destruction of the temple? It says, what shall be the time, the sign of thy coming? I have several mm -hmm. Bibles. So it that means says, she saw it too. That means she read it and saw it, right? And the you end know. of the age. But it's together. What will be the it's sign of together. thy coming and the end of the age? Those are Right. They are married together. You cannot divorce them. Can I say them? something to that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got to talk about that. So you have that the context that we just saw. He's talking about judgment coming on the governance of the kingdom or the governance of, of the temple. And he's talking about Jerusalem and the temple. That's the context in which we're talking. So you come to this scripture that we've been taught. It's a second coming of Jesus, but that's not what it's talking about. And when you go to the Old Testament and you see the coming of the Lord or when the Lord comes, it's always destruction. Always. So there are days of the Lord and there are comings of the Lord. There are many comings right. of the Lord. You know, yes. I truly believe that the Lord comes all the time. I think he's coming and the coming. But what this one that he's talking about, this coming, was coming for a very specific yes. purpose to judge the covenant breakers, judge and divorce Israel and that right. final uh, that final divorce was the, the destruction of the temple and so and I do want to throw this ball out there because I know where Corey and 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 Serge and and uh, Jason usually land on this but with this view there are a lot of people who have this view that we're presenting it with you many of them believe that there will be an end of the world and Jesus will come back and there will be a, a final coming. That's not what we're talking about. We aren't, we're not, we're, I don't care what you believe on, on that, okay? Because you're victorious until whenever, okay? <laughs> you know, you can, I don't need to, I can sit down over coffee with you, yeah, whatever, okay? But what we care about and what's so vitally important is you aren't waiting for this great tribulation to happen and yeah. for this coming of Christ to come. This coming came in AD 70. So and even said, the early church, even the early church saw there's writings that show that this, that the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple was proof that he was king. It was mm -hmm. Jesus revealing himself as king. So I have to insert again, and I'm so sorry, because I'm reading the comments. So Christic says, so then you are saying he came at the destruction of the temple. And then she also says, the Geneva Bible says that he came on the Mount of Olives. And the disciples came to the And what is the end of the world? You can have all the Bibles that you want. And I encourage you to. The, Gene the Geneva is my favorite Bible, hands down. Bar none, Geneva Bible is it for me. However... I also use the Blue Letter Bible, which takes me to the actual verses, and you can break down the word and go to what it was originally in the Greek. And without doing that, we you, you're going to miss a lot, right? So when we have discussions about specific words and different translations, we always have to go back to the original Greek. But to answer your question, um, when it comes to, so you're saying he came at the destruction of the temple. This coming that he said he was going to do, this one in Matthew 23, 24, we can talk about other comings in the rest of the Bible. 
this one yeah. came at the destruction so of the two, temple. There's two Greek words, okay? One is aeon, which is the end of an age, and one is cosmos, which is the world. And then there's another one that we haven't gotten into, just to throw it in there to confuse you. The land and the earth often referred to the just the land of Israel, okay? And then, to throw you off just one more time, when... Um, Apollo actually said that the gospel has reached the entire world. Well, it hadn't reached the entire world, had it? He said the gospel has reached the entire world. He was talking about the known world. And so I'm going to give you an example for that. So when the census went out for Mary and Joseph to come and, um, and come into Bethlehem, they went to Bethlehem because the census was called out by Rome, it said that the decree was sent out to the entire world. It was the known world at the time. So the known world that was, was basically the Roman Empire. Okay. So those are a few um, script. Those are the few uh, to kind of At go some on. point in this series, we will address Jesus's coming and where we all stand on that because we all have kind of different but mostly similar views on it. We'll get to that in, in other episodes. I and promise that we you. would call the end of the world. And you could say yes. world. Okay. But that doesn't matter. If right there now. is one. If there is one. Yeah. Okay. Leave you so, hanging there. Can I read this uh, commentary right quick? It's just yeah. one sentence. It's, this is, again, the Passion Translation. I was just kind of looking at it. And again, it's the one everybody loves. So 24.3, talking about the end of the world, it's, he says this, although it is possible to translate this, the end of the world, which I disagree, the Hebraic mindset of the end of days is, tran is a transition into the new age of the Messiah's coming when right. all things will be restored. So basically what he's saying is we you have to understand the Jewish people have been worshiping in this way through a temple and a tabernacle since Moses. Right. For thousands of years they've been worshiping God in this way. They've been going to this tabernacle or this temple. And then all of a sudden Jesus is prophesying that that's going to be done away with. Mm -hmm. No longer are we doing that anymore. It was a very drastic change getting ready to happen. Yeah. A destructive change. An earth-shaking change. No yeah. longer was the presence of God going to be found in a building made of bricks and mortar. Yeah. Let's go to Hebrews 8 real quick, just to kind of let you guys know where we're coming from about this old covenant. Um, now, this is the main point of things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. So he's already seated there. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer, Jesus. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things. Now we're going to get into maybe sometime the, the, the heaven and earth shall be destroyed. The temple was the copy and the shadow of heaven, and heaven was destroyed. As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. And he, for he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern I show you on the mountain. For now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which are established on better promises. For if the first covenant had been false, false, faultless, then we didn't need a second covenant. Because finding fault with them... 
He said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them out of the, out of, by the hand and led them out of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, I will put my laws in their mind, and I will write them on their heart, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I'm going to go on to verse 13. In that he says a new covenant, he made the first obsolete. Now, this is ready, ready? What is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Who wants to jump on that? That is so good. Anybody? That's that transitional generation that J Jason keeps talking about. It was a transition from one to the other. That's why they overlapped for 40 years. Jason, could you go into that a little bit? Because I think you did it the other day and it was really, really good. That transitional time period. Well, what we are reading in what we call the New Covenant, the New Testament of the Bible, is really the letters written to the people of that age, of that generation, that we're going to see these things happen. You see timestamps throughout the New Testament. Of this is going to happen this generation. It's going to happen shortly. It's it's at hand. All these things. Jesus is saying this is what's happening or what's going to happen in a very short window. Mm -hmm. And so that transitional generation, for me, it's something the Lord spoke to me about six months ago. It's from when Christ died mm. to the fall of the temple. Yeah. And that, com that second coming that you're talking about at that temple, that was that generation of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Just like Israel was in a desert for 40 years. What happened in the desert? They were delivered immediately when they left Egypt, but they had the mindset mm. of slavery. Boom, that was a type of shadow. Hello. <laughs> so now, so now what happened? Christ comes. He brings the kingdom. Yes. He when he died on the cross and he rose from the grave, he delivered everybody from the old system. But the temple still stood where they were still, what? There was mixture in that generation. There was confusion. There was chaos. How many of the letters did Paul write? He said, guys, this isn't the end. These are the signs. Yeah. So the people of that generation, after Christ died, and the, it went dark for three hours, the veil split, they knew that there was something else to happen. Mm -hmm. And so Paul had to address it numerous times saying, guys, I know this looks bad. But this isn't the end. Can you call but it's coming in this generation. And so that transitional generation, when the temple fell, the people not only were delivered, they were now free from the old system. No, that's so good. And what I just read from Hebrews chapter 8, in case you guys want to know, I love cross-references. That was all cross-reference from Jeremiah 31 about the new covenant. Um, who wants to read? Um, who wants to go on to? Uh, let's read. Uh, many, like kind of this next um, this next section um, about uh, take heed that no man deceive you. Go ahead, Corey. Same right. conversation. Same conversation. All right. So verse four, Jesus answered them, beware that no one lead you astray for many will come in my name saying I am the Messiah and they will lead many astray and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars and I always just pause right here and tell everybody circle where it says you 
and ask yourself if he's talking to you or not mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. the context is key if we're so if you're reading without correct context or if you're preaching without context you're okay. preaching a con mm -hmm. oh that's good Ooh. oh that's good. yes i like it so can you let's, before we go on to the wars and rumors of wars there's actually some really cool thing about the many messiahs here that you guys might not know. Um, many shall come in my name saying, I am the Christ and shall deceive many. And we're all looking for that to be the Antichrist, right? That's going to be, the, and he'll deceive many, right? And they plan to put the two together with the son, the man of lawlessness. So this is kind of cool. This is from Josephus. From Josephus, it appears that in the very first century, before the destruction of the temple, a number of messiahs arose promising relief from the Roman yoke. And finding ready followers, Josephus speaks of them, and he says, Another body of wicked men also sprung up, cleaner in their hands, but more wicked in their intentions, who destroyed the peace of the city no less than did these murderers, the Sicarii. For they were deceivers and deluders of the people, and under pretense of divine illumination, were for innovations and changes, and prevailed on the multitude to act like madmen, and went before them in the wilderness, pretending that God would there show them signs of liberty. Josephus states that the leaders of the Jewish rebellion bribed or in some way coerced a number of people to pretend to be prophets. During the time of war with Rome, these people were instructed to predict that God would either deliver the Israelites from from their enemies in order to inspire courage and prevent destruction. There we go with the deceiving. Exactly. So Matthew 24, warning against false Christ and false prophets, gives testimony to the same effect. Around AD 44, Josephus reports a certain imposter, imposter named uh, the Theodos who became a prophet. He appeared and he urged the people to follow him with their belongings to the Jordan. He would then divide for them. Uh, he would then divide those things for them. According to Acts 5.36 which seems to refer to a different date, he secured about 400 followers. Uh, Cuspis, Fattis, uh, sent a troop of horsemen after him and his band, slew many of them, and took captive others together with their leader beheading the latter. Acts 8 says, But there was a certain man ca called Simon, who previously practiced sor sorcery in the city, and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. Um, and, and then also in Acts, all, another Egyptian is said to have gathered together 30,000 adherents whom he summoned to the Mount of Olives opposite Jerusalem, promising that at his command, the walls of Jerusalem would fall down and that he and his followers would enter and possess the, the city themselves. But Felix, the pro, procurator, procurator, uh, procurator, met with the throng with his uh, soldiers and the prophet escaped, but those uh, with him were killed or taken and the multitude dispersed. Another, whom Josephus styles as an imposter, promised the people deliverance and freedom from their miseries if they would follow him into the wilderness. Both leader and followers were killed by the troops of Festus, the procurator. Even when Jerusalem was already in process of destruction by the Romans, a prophet, according to Josephus, um, uh, 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 summoned by the defenders to keep the people from deserting, announced that God commanded them to come to the temple, there to receive miraculous signs of their deliverance. Those who came met their death with flames. And so First uh, John two eighteen says, There were so many false teachers in the first century that John could write, Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now anti many Antichrists have come, by which we know it is the last hour. So these are the Antichrists that John, who wrote the book of Revelation, 
okay, is saying this is the last hour, this is the last hour. This is kind of one of our major clues, isn't it, guys? If John is writing, hey, you guys, I'm seeing the signs that Jesus told me to look for, and I'm seeing them. This is the last hour. And then he goes and writes the book of Revelation, which says Come, it's coming quickly. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> So there are no, many and... false prophets in in during that time. Just and and they led them to people's death. And right now we have kind of some people here and there, but they literally led them to people's death. And and this was and Jesus was telling them, "Don't go to Jerusalem. Don't follow these prophets into Jerusalem." Why would Jesus say that? Because when they the, those who did follow those false prophets into Jerusalem, they were part of the one million killed. He's warning them. It's so amazing. Yep. My God loved us so much that he warned the people at the time that this was all going to happen. Yep. Those who received him were delivered, right? Wars and those who wars. received him. Those, yeah. Every one of them. And it even hard. tries a couple times. Okay, Paul in his letter said, who has said this to you? Who has deceived you? Remember what I taught you. And like... I, I'm learning stuff as you're reading through all that stuff. I'm like, wow, that even brings more context to what Paul wrote because I'm like, man, why is he writing that? Because that they were actually purposely sending people out to deceive. Yes. So just like you read and like, it just brings more context. And like, of course we got to understand how the people of that day would read this letter. Yeah. If we improperly understand that, we'll improperly apply it to our lives today. So we have a lot That's of people, good. and they apply it to their lives today, and they're so wrong on how to apply back then that we have a false notion. If we think back then it was futuristic, we apply it to futuristic today. Yeah. So you can't have a proper eisegesis without a proper exegesis. So we have to understand context, timing, all that of who it was written to. Yeah. So we can properly apply it to us. Otherwise, with the you, you have a falsehood on both sides. And that's yeah. what futurism has done to the church. It's created doctrines like this modern end time theory is we put everything as futuristic. When I took off the lens of futurism, when I read the Bible, the kingdom came alive. Yes. Because I was taught, I was raised, even Catholic raised, it's always about something happening. And then going to buy, getting saved, going to a large non-denominational church in Virginia, and they they were a pre-trip church. And then coming out here to Bible school, it's all about the future. But when you understand it was fulfilled, mm -hmm. man, you start reading scriptures and they come alive. You're like, wow, the Bible yeah. makes sense. Even Revelation makes sense if you take off the lens of futurism and read it as if yeah. it was written to that generation. So you either have to read it as it was to that generation, or put yourself back when they would heard it. When these books were written between 35 AD, or, yeah, yeah to uh, the last 65 AD, and read it as yeah. if you were in that generation, it changes the kingdom message. And yeah. just to put it in context for you guys, I, maybe I'm not being clear about painting a picture for you. So painting a picture of, there was a messianic fervor. And people believed that the kingdom was coming and they were looking for the Messiah because I everything believe... was going to get better. Everything was going to change. Life was going to be awesome. Well, this, well, right, like... I truly believe that they felt it. Yeah. I felt that they felt, I know that they were feeling that the Messiah was coming. They were at the, not only that, that the Daniel 70 weeks were fulfilled. Okay. So they were looking for the Messiah. And so they actually felt that maybe 
they felt like the kingdom would be on earth. So they were training to reign and rule the world. Okay. And they were going to make this happen. And this is a lesson for us. We can't make things happen in our own hands. Okay. And so what was happening is as Christianity was spreading, the Jews were really fighting against Rome. And there were all kinds of things that we can get into them that there were just skirmishes and Rome was killing Jews and Jews were fighting back. And they had decided, you know what, towards the end, uh, it was all the Jewish wars right there in, in AD uh, 67. They really, we're going to take down Rome. This is what we're going to do. And then they all like went to, to Jerusalem. And that's why you're hearing about these prophets. And that's why you're hearing about the leaders saying, we got to get our troops. We got to tell our troops we're going to win this day that we're going to get a word from god because we're taking on rome and we're going to need god to take on rome and so this is the this is the world that we're in and so in verse um nine and ten who wants to read nine and ten i'll read it okay <clears throat> then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake and then many will be offended will betray one another and will hate one another. Mm -hmm. All right. So I want to kind of break this down and give you guys some more history. And um, I appreciate everybody just kind of hanging with me while I do this. So about 4 BC, Augustus had finished most of his constitutional reforms in the Roman Empire. And the Roman system of government was fixed for the next several decades. The stability is typified by the succession, which remained in the Augustan line until the suicide of Nero in AD 68. Politically, this was the period of the Pa Romana. The Augustus inauguration of the Age of Peace at the uh, Luda, I cannot pronounce this, uh, doesn't matter, Claris in 17 BC was not an empty gesture. In the Roman Empire proper, this period of peace remained uh, comparatively undisturbed until the time of Nero. So, you know, Rome was around doing, you know, lots of wars everywhere, but there was a time of peace, okay? Like two harringers of revolution, however, fire broke out in Rome in AD 64 and a war at Zion in 66. After Nero's death, the whole Roman Empire was ablaze and at war during the year of AD 69. The whole Roman Empire was at war. The same Homo Nuvius who conquered the Jews, Vespasian, was soon able to restore the power of the emperors, but upon a new foundation. Um... And during Nero's reign, Rome went to war with the Parthians, was at war in Britain, and various other rebellious disturbance across the empire. All of these uprisings and wars immediately preceded the Jewish war in fulfillment of verses 6 and 7. In AD 66, toward the end of Nero's reign, the province of Israel revolted against Rome. This is what we're talking about, okay? Uh, there, Rome's got to deal with uh, the, the barbarians over here, Britain over here, uh, the, the Carthians over here, and they're sending their troops everywhere. And then the Jews are like, our turn. Toward the end of uh, Nero's reign, the province of Israel revol revolted against Rome. While the Israelites fought the Romans, they also turned their weapons against each other. And civil war broke out all over Israel between those wanting peace and those wanting to, uh, this, their own sovereignty. So there was internal wars. There's external wars. There's wars and rumors of wars. And in AD 68, the disease of civil war spread to the rest of the Roman Empire. While Vespasian was, around, was a, uh, about Alexandria and Titus was laying siege. Vespasian was Titus's dad. Uh, 
was uh, lying a siege at Jerusalem, a great multitude of Germans were in commotion and tended to rebellion. This is from Josephus. And as the Gauls in the neighborhood joined with them, hoping to free themselves from Roman dominion. At the very same time, with the aforementioned revolt of the Germans, did the bold attempt of the Scythians against the Romans occur. And for those Scythians, who are called Sumatians, being a very numerous people, transported themselves over the, uh, the Danube into Mysia without being perceived and slew a great number of Romans who guarded their frontiers. Rome during the time of Jesus was actually pretty quiet on the Western Front. This was spoken of by Origen as the abundance of peace that began at the birth of Christ. Um, uh, Latourette states that the internal peace and order which Augustus achieved endured with occasional interruption for about two centuries. Due to this famed empire-wide peace, Christ's prophetic reference to wars and rumors of wars uh, serves as a remarkable sign for the end of the temple and the Jewish Meaning age. we were at, we were at total peace and then everything flipped and changed. And then everything flipped and everything was just, imagine the whole world, like we're kind of like, we got a little bit going on with Russia and Ukraine, but you want to imagine like everybody's at war at one time. And chaos. And chaos everywhere. And it literally happened. It happened. It happened. Any thoughts? Or we can move on. Corey, go ahead and keep reading. Verse 11. All right. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Let me stop. Uh, I have the Go wrong on. verse. I gave you the wrong verse. I meant to go to the earthquake verse. Oh, did I skip it? No, I did. I said 11, but it's actually um, oh, okay. verse 7. Sorry. Well, y'all know about the earthquakes. All well, right. there are earthquakes, but here's the, here's the cool thing about the earthquakes. During the reign of Claudius Caesar, the emperor immediately preceding Nero, a colossal famine struck the Roman world. Concerning this famine, uh, James Stuart Russell writes, In the fourth year of this Claudius reign, the famine in Judea was so severe that the price of food became enormous and great numbers perished. One example of earthquakes mentioned in verse 7 is the earthquake that struck Laodicea sometime between AD 60 and AD 64 during the reign of Nero. It is interesting to note that one of the churches addressed by John in the book of Revelation was the church in that city. Uh, prior to AD 70, there were also earthquakes in Crete, Smyrna, uh, Mytilus, Chinos, Samos, uh, Colossae. Don't read them all. Nobody everywhere. cares there were, there were, um, I think there was one that in Josephus uh, mentions... Um, that were shaken and cattle and 30,000 men, but the army didn't receive harm. So there were lots of earthquakes during that time. Yes. Keep going. Wow. Corey. And, okay. so, and famine, so in, there was famine. And famine. In that time, or are we talking about well, the there earthquakes was from Turkey? Yeah. And, and there was... being facetious again. I'm sorry. No, yeah, you're right. So there was... <laughs> there was wanted... She's so into it. She didn't even get it, Corey. <laughs> It's all right. Well, I wonder... No, Serge gets me with the questions, and it, and it helps break the line, train so, of... So, to put you guys into the famine now. All right, so they're going into the, they're, the... During the siege, it was so bad, okay? Skim over this. You okay. Can't, we don't have time to read all the, your I whole know. thing. Okay, so... And I love it, though. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not dogging you, it. You're I just great. want... Give them the punchline of that. For if... he, um, This is from Josephus. Now of those who perished by famine in the city... 
The number was prodigious, and the miseries they underwent were unspeakable. Okay, Jesus predicted a famine, and there was a huge famine. For if the shadow of any kind of food did appear anywhere, a war was commenced presently, and the dearest friends fell to fighting with one another over it. Or, nor would men believe those dying had no food, but the robbers would search them until they died, lest any should have any concealed food, food in their mm. bosoms and counterfeited dying. More, I'm just dying. F faking it. Moreover, the hunger was so intolerable that people chewed everything um, and such things as the most sordid animals you wouldn't even touch. They would eat them. Nor did they, they chewed on the leather on their shields, on they their pulled sandals. it off and gnawed their shoes. The very wisp of old hay became food for some, and some gathered up fibers and sold a very small weight of them for a large amount of money. He says, I am going to relate the matter of fact, uh, the like to which no history relates, either among Greeks or barbarians. It is horrible to speak and incredible to be heard, but that I have innumerable witnesses to it in my own age. A certain Mary, her father was Eleazar. She was eminent up for her family and wealth and had fled away to Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus said, don't go to Jerusalem when it's surrounded by armies, but the Jews were called into Jerusalem and they went. So this girl goes in, okay, and when it became impossible for her to find any more food while the famine pierced through her very bowels she then attempted this is Josephus a quote a most unnatural thing and snatching up her son who was a child sucking she was breastfeeding child she said oh thou miserable infant for whom shall I preserve thee in this war this famine this sedition this war this famine this sedition Come on, be my food and a byword to the world. As soon as she had killed her son and roasted him and ate a half of him and kept the other half concealed. Can I sum up the rest of that story? So then she actually offered that to people that were going around asking for food. And when it was found out that she had roasted her son and was offering it to people, people went around and they were like, oh my gosh. It was, it was a gut punch to the entire city. The millions that were there when this rumor spread, not just rumor, but when this story in fact had spread that this woman had eaten her child they were like what have we become yeah and then remember when paul is talking about sending a um relief to those in judea because they didn't have a lot of food there were other famines before uh, that uh in AD 49 um so yeah there were definitely some some famines and there's a lot more on Leah's blog that you guys can read that i've been dropping the link in um that you can get into on all of this yeah, it was the, the horrible, what, you, just what I want you guys to picture, and I don't know if you guys have anything to say about, about this, is the going into Jerusalem. They're surrounded by armies, and they start to fight each other. They're starving. They're stealing food from an, one another. They're beating people to death if they They're pulling conceal that they have food. from dead people. A woman kills and eats her own child. Jesus told people this was going to happen and it happened. And that's what is so amazing because it, it happened in the time frame. He said all these things that we're reading would happen. And the punchline is in this generation, it's all going to happen. Many uh, secretly sold their possessions for one measure of wheat. If they belonged to the wealthier class of, uh, of barley, if they were poor, then shutting themselves up in the innermost parts of their houses, they ate the grain uncooked on account of their terrible want, while others baked it as necessity and fear dictated. 
Nowhere were tables set, but snatching the yet uncooked food from the fire, they tore it to pieces. Wretched was the fair and lamentable spectacle, and it, uh, it was to see more powerful, secure in abundance, while the weaker actually mourned. Old men who clung to their food were beaten, and if the women concealed it in their hands, it was torn from them. There was Their pity. hair was torn from them. From their hair it. was torn from them. There was pity neither for gray hairs nor for instance, but taking up the babies that clung to their morsels of food, they killed them. They said if children had food, they just killed. They, this is, these are Jewish people that were in Jerusalem picking up a baby, throwing it they to the had ground. turned maniacal. Okay, now maybe somebody, we could jump ahead because I don't have the references in my head and maybe you guys do. I'm assuming Corey does. But a quarter of wheat for um, that scripture, is that from Revelation? Yeah. You know, that kind of harkens to this actual fulfillment we, we are seeing it, guys, and that's an actual proof to a fulfillment of this in Revelation. But let's remember, their conduct might indeed have seemed less barbarous if they had been driven it to by necessity. But they did it for the sake of exercising their madness and of providing substance for themselves for the days to come, of stealing all of this stuff. Um, they also were destroying food. Account, they were burning food. Yeah. It was crazy time. Now, pa Josephus says, the possibility of going out of the city being brought to an end, all hope of safety for the Jews was cut off, and famine increased and devoured the people by houses and families, and the rooms were filled with dead women and children, and lanes of the city of corpses of old men. Children and youth swollen with famine wandered about the marketplaces like shadows. Many indeed died while they were burying others, and many betook themselves to the graves before death came on them. There was neither weeping nor lamentation for these misfortunes, but the famine stifled their natural affections. Those that were dying a lingering death looked with dry eyes upon those that had gone to rest before them. But, but the robbers were more terrible with, than these miseries, for they broke open the houses, which were now mere sepulchers, robbed the dead and stripped the covering from their bodies, and then went away with a laugh. They tried the points of their swords in the dead bodies, and some that were lying on the ground still alive they thrust through in order to test their weapons. But those that prayed that they would use their right hand and their sword upon them, they contemptuously left to be destroyed by the famine. Every one of these died with eyes fixed on the temple, and they, they left the seditious alive. Skip ahead to 18, and this is the most important thing. And as Titus went around, remember, Titus was the one that was going to make the call on attacking Jerusalem, went around and saw the trenches filled with the dead and the thick blood oozing out of the putrid bodies. He groaned aloud and raising his hands, called God to witness that this was not his doing he said god i didn't do this one last one and we can move on after speaking of some other things josephus proceeds i cannot hesitate to declare what my feelings compel me to i suppose that the romans had longer delayed in coming against these guilty wretches the city would have been swallowed up by a chasm or overwhelmed with a flood or struck with some thunderbolts as destroyed sodom for it had brought forth a generation of men much more godless than those that suffered such punishment. For their madness indeed was the, uh, was the whole people brought to destruction. All that Leah had just read comes from the greatest historian and authority of the time that no one in all of history that I have ever heard contests his accuracy. But he was not a Christian. He wasn't writing. He was just telling us what was happening during this time. 
And this no was... one's preaching. No one tells this story. It's like the Revolutionary War, like I said last time. It's as if you're an American and you've never heard the Revolutionary War and you know nothing about it. Yeah. God's people, the temple is still standing and Jesus isn't going to tell people that a million people are going to die and they're going to starve and kill people and eat their children and steal from people and murder babies just to get their food. Hello? No, it's amazing that you're bringing this out because this history you're bringing out in a great way. And, and people need to hear this because, you know, what I hear is a lot of people say we're in the last days. And I say last days of what? And they can't even tell me of what because they don't have the context of what the last days are about. It was the last days of that age. And these are the signs that Jesus said you will hear of rumors of wars you will see these things yeah yeah let's go ahead we can do 12 through 19. can we, can we okay you want to go you want to say something i hope you guys jump in well, more even though leah's talking a lot there's a lot to no, get it's to, important what she's doing jump in yeah as you feel what led. she is doing and i, I want to jump ahead just a second on verse 21 because mm -hmm. i hear this a lot um and this goes with what you're saying, Leah. Yeah. So that's the only reason I want to bring this up. Please do, And yeah. we can go back to 12. But it says, for then there will be a great tribulation. Such has not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, nor shall ever, nor ever shall be. And so some people will say, you know, Hitler. That was pretty big. That was bigger. And yes, there was more numbers that died in that. But the destruction was way worse than what happened at that time of Hitler killing mm -hmm. Jews. That was bad. It was horrible, but it was it was not near as horrible as what happened at the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Yeah. But it also gives us a a, um, a clue there. It says, nor shall ever again be. Yes. Well, if it was the end of the world, then that last sentence That's would be right. redundant and not needed. That's and then so verse 22, good. go ahead and read verse 22, because that kind of goes with what you're saying. Verse 22 says, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Because it was really bad. So I, I just know that's a hang up for people. And yeah. so that needs to be addressed. Yes, you're looking at numbers. Yes, the numbers were worse. But the destruction itself, the torture, the bloodshed was in a more brutal and evil way. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, there's as you, a, as you read. Yeah, it's it's horrible. There's even more things to what Josephus said they did. They went they went mad. They yeah. literally went crazy. They like zombies. Like Let's just zombies. It. It's it is the zombie apocalypse. I knew yeah. it. I have been saying it, and I've been saying it, Ernie. We had a Dagum zombie apocalypse, and That's it happened right. in 70 AD, and they're trying to tell you that it's going to happen again. There's no zombies no. coming again. They no, already no. came the first time in 70 AD. I, yeah. just, I just put zombies in Revelation <laughs> Red Pill. You know, and I wanted to say this. I'm glad you said that. If we don't realize this was talking about that generation, we will be okay and sit around and think it's okay that there's famines and wars. Oh, that's just biblical. That's what people say. No, it's biblical. That's it's the signs of the times. No, we're supposed to be kings now, guys. That age passed. That that stuff happened in the first century. Now what? We got to get past what has already happened and figure this stuff out because a big we're not the only five people that believe this there's hundreds of thousands on the planet that have figured this out 
Yeah. And we're just coming together because we discuss it all the time. We know other people need to hear this, but that's the problem I see is people see a famine and instead of trying to plant some food, they're like, oh, yep, that's how it's that's supposed good. to be. Preach it. No, that's not how it's supposed to be. That's how it happened in that time, right? And the yeah. whole key thing is all these things will happen mm -hmm. in this generation. Yes. All these yeah. things. And I just wanted to say that real quick so that people know we already we're talking about 40 years here yeah. and and you're talking about these things happen so yeah. we can't yeah. be okay with oh it's a war oh i guess that's yeah. just how it's supposed to be sit back that's what right. the current day teaching causes that's the fruit of it it causes people to sit around yeah. and wait and let this stuff be okay when we have authority to bless the nations to fix this stuff yeah. so could good. you guys i know we're doing matthew 24 but could you guys flip over or whoever's going to read next? Could you guys flip over to Luke 21? Because this is the same. It parallels yeah. and read verses 12 through 18. And is this the way flipping? Go ahead. No, go ahead. So search says this a lot. The God's told them said, you're looking, you're on the wrong side of history. Yeah. And that is so huge because Corey, the first time we were on the first episode, he said he really brought up the power of life and death is in the tongue. Mm -hmm. How many people are reading this and saying, wow, this is going to happen for me? How many prophetic cycles have we seen where we think it's the Antichrist? Yeah. When I started studying the end times, man, just since the 1900s, they've talked about like four Antichrists. Was it Hitler? Is it going to be this one? Is it this? We're with our own words, with the modern end time theory, literally prophesying death on this earth. When we're, if we go to the other side of history, we're like, Man, Corey, like, we, we're bringing restoration to the planet. Yeah. It's actually the cosmos, the whole galaxy. He, God restored it all. But we're sitting here, and I, I, I learned in times. I debated people. I watched all the things. I, on, you know, I, I can't remember the guy's name, debating Perry Stone, if he's a pre-trib or a post-trib. And I, I studied this and studied it and had debates with my friends on which one's the right tribulation pattern. And you know what? We were... When the Ukraine thing started back in, I think, 2000, the first thing, the church at me and Sergio, literally, they're like, man, this is, this is the war that's going to kick off the end. Uh -huh. like, so do I pray against the war? Yeah, what do you or do? Or do I actually, <laughs> like, kind of, you brought, one of you brought out on the last, one of the last episodes. So how much abortion is enough? Right. Like, yeah. was that you, Michelle? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's like, how much abortion is enough? I want, I only want enough to die to bring Christ back, but like, I'm not sure. So it's one of those like, man, stop. if we take this in context that we're now in the eternal kingdom age, as Corey said, we're not, we're not going to see these prophetic cycles of death hitting our land and evil ruler coming up and then going down, evil ruler coming up. It's, it's ended. We're on the other side of history. I want to I want to say something to everybody that's watching, though, um, because you're all feeling something and you're feeling that something's about to happen. And you're like, well, it has to be the end of time because I feel it in my spirit. Like Leah was saying that the people at the time of Jesus were feeling in that period of time. They're like, wait, no, I'm really, really feeling something. You are feeling the end of the modern end times theory. That <laughs> yes, is what you're feeling. And you're excited about it because everything's about to explode and, yes. and the and world is about to We're in a reformation. Yeah. We and are in a reformation. reformation. Freedom. 
Yes. Yeah, you're you're feeling that Freedom. things are going to change. Okay, so can, well, can somebody read Luke 12 through uh, 19? 12 through 19? Yeah. Luke, yeah. Luke, Luke. Luke 21, 12 through 19. Because it's a parallel to Matthew 24. It's just it's a little bit easier to understand. 12 through 19, I'll read it real fast. Okay. All right, so it says, But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You'll be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. And then it says, when you see Jerusalem <laughs> surrounded by armies, then you'll know as desolation has come near. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains and those inside the city must leave it. And those out in the country must not enter it. For these are the days of vengeance as a fulfillment of all that is written. That is so like Corey unpacking. That read makes it. sense. That's good. Yeah. But you got to back up for a second. Oh, here it comes. Because <laughs> you read something earlier that we didn't touch on, and it's a major hangup for people. And it's back in Matthew. You said, Corey read, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and yeah. then the end will come. Mm -hmm. People, that is a big hangup for this. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that? Corey. The gospel has been preached to every creature under heaven, Paul said in Colossians 1. That was their known world, right? It had happened. Colossians and 1, then the end, Yeah, and then the end came. And yep. this part right here is important because what end? What end will come? See, people are making it about the planet, but this is the end. There, This is the days of vengeance as a fulfillment of all that is written. Yeah. It will be the end of Jerusalem, the temple worship system. It was a judgment on. on Jerusalem. All these prophets, guys, I have right here four different, well, four different prophets talking about the judgment on Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. That was what Jesus was bringing forth when it says, you know, it will be a sign of these things, the end of the age and of your coming. It was the end of just of Jerusalem, the destruction of Jerusalem, the judgment on Jerusalem. And it says, when you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem, flee to the mountains of Judea. So if you really believe this is talking to you today, you, you need to get go. your eyes on Judea. You got to go to you Jerusalem. Better, you better get your ticket and have yeah. it, have your seats reserved. So Roman, to your point, again, with Colossians 1, 6 says it, and Romans 10 um, says, uh, 14, how then shall they call on him who have not believed? And how shall they believe on him that they have not heard? And then it says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel, peace and good tidings of good things. And then verse, um, was it 18? Have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world to the ends of the world. And so the end, the end would come, the end of the age, the end of all these horrible things. And so just to back it up where he was talking about brother shall um, give up brother. Um, and I really think that if you could like circle you guys uh, where it says it's, it's talking to you and it's saying they. So Jesus is a good friend. 
And Corey, if you knew that something was going to happen to me, I would hope that you would tell me <laughs> that it's going to happen. If God gave you a word and said, Leah, you're going to die, okay? You're going to have to go to this place and it's going to all... You know what? Jesus... Corey gets that word. Corey is coming here and raising you from yeah. the dead, first no, of all. No, no. But this is what he... Jesus himself... If you're going to be martyred... And let me just tell you this. If you're going to be martyred, Jesus is going to tell you. He actually told the people in Revelation, and which church was it? He said, you're going to be, told the there, disciples, there was going to be, well, no, there was a church in Revelation. He's like, you guys are going to be uh, martyred. Uh, he just told the disciples and he's saying, some of you are going to be killed. I'm letting you know, but you're going to be given. So here are some really important things to look at. Synagogues, kings and rulers, tell, uh, settle in your heart what you're going to say. Your parents and brothers and sisters will betray you. So remember, the brothers and sisters, the, the tribe, the tri all the tribes of Israel, for they, the Jews, they stoned Peter to death. And then James, the son of Zebedee, and the brother of John were beheaded. And finally, James, uh, uh, the first after our Savior's ascension to be raised to the bishop's throne, lost his life. Um, while remaining, while the remaining apostles in constant danger from murderous plots were driven out of Judea, says church history. As at this time, some Christians were arrested. Then on their information, a very large multitude was convicted. That's from Tacitus. I can never say it. Um, and then I think, I'm not sure this is from Tacitus or not. This is from Ilbid. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. These Christians who, betray, who were betrayed by their brethren were draped in animal skins and ripped apart by dogs or crucified in a major public spectacle. At night, these people were burned as torches in the, light, um, in the streets of Rome, according to church tradition. Uh, it was during this uh, massacre that Peter was crucified and Paul beheaded. Uh, the same tradition teaches that nearly all disciples were martyred. Matthew was supposedly killed by a sword in Ethiopia. Mark was dragged by horses through the streets of Alexandria. Luke was hanged in Greece. Bartholomew was flogged to death. Andrew was crucified. Thomas was stabbed with a spear in India. Jude was pierced with arrows. Matthias was stoned and beheaded. And Barnabas was stoned uh, in uh, Sol Solnosia. And then Joseph Josephus accounts. And here, a certain old man, a father of seven children, whose children, together with their mother, decided to give them leave to go out to Herod, killed them after the following manner. He ordered them to go out while he himself stood at the cave's mouth and slew that son of his um, perpetually who went out. Herod was near enough to see this sight, and his bowels of compassion were moved at it. Yet he did not relent at all. He reproached Herod for his lowness of descent and slew his wife and his children, and when he had uh, thrown their dead bodies down the precipice, he threw himself down. Uh, Eusebius writes, After Nero had held the power 13 years, and Galba and Otho had ruled a year and six months, Vespasian, who had become distinguished in the campaigns against the Jews, was proclaimed a sovereign in Judea and received the title of emperor from the armies there. Setting out immediately, therefore, to Rome, he entrusted the conduct of the war against the Jews to his son Titus. For the Jews, after the ascension of our Savior, in addition to their crime against him, had been devising as many plots as they could against his apostles. First, Stephen was stoned to death, and after him, James. We talked about that. Um, and it, uh, it says that, um, and they had been driven out of the land of Judea, who went from Judea and all nations to preach the gospel, and they go and make disciples of all nations. But the people of the church in Jerusalem had been commanded by a revelation 
vouchsafed to approved men, there would, before the war, leave the city and dwell in a certain town of Perea called Pella. And when those that believed in Christ had come there from Jerusalem, then, as if the royal city of Jews and the whole land of Judea were entirely destitute of holy men, the judgment of God at length overtook those who had committed such outrages against Christ and his, and his apostles and totally destroyed the generation of impious men. So there was, there was definitely a lot of times of brother giving up brother, people killing one another. Um, and definitely when you're hearing about you know, even Paul uh, was around persecuting Christians. This is another prophecy we can say, we can put our check mark on and say, fulfilled. Synagogues, you're, you know, they're going to do this to you and you're going to die. <laughs> He's telling them. And it happened. And I feel like if we don't, if we don't get, what, what kind of honor are we giving to Jesus and to those who gave their lives if we don't say, Jesus told them and warned them so that they could make their hearts ready. You know, they had, these are horrible deaths, you guys. Beheadings, crucifixions. I mean, and what are we, what are we doing teaching people that it's still to come? Because if you read 22, it says, for these are the days of vengeance yeah. as a fulfillment of all that is written. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing and infants in those days. What are we doing teaching people that today? Well, finish it. Finish that verse. Yeah. Okay. So it says, For there will be great distress on the earth and wrath against this people. This people. They, yeah. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be taken away as captives among all nations in Jerusalem. See, we're trying to make it about the whole planet, but right. I don't know why we're not reading the context clearly. But after you see this, you can't unsee what we're saying. So, yeah. well, this is fun. another. So Join this the is the reason, the reason. Go ahead and finish verse twenty-four because this is a little bit different wording than Matthew twenty-four, but it's the same all of it discourse, and yeah. it kind of gives us a bigger, a better picture. So go ahead and read that one. All right. Verse it says, 24. "They will fall by the edge of the sword and be taken away as captives among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles." until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Yeah, what do you guys think about that? Do you see that happening? Nope. What well, did you see it happen in AD 70? It says yes. that they will be, it says that, that people were led away captive and Jerusalem was trodden down by Rome, the Gentiles. He's telling them it's gonna happen. Jerusalem will be utterly destroyed until the time of Rome and the, the, until I let them, until I say you're enough. That's enough. Hmm. He's, that's what he's saying. That's what he's saying until there, until there's enough. And then uh, Matthew 24 adds, and because lawlessness will bow, the love of many will uh, wax cold. And then I think we, we, we saw that there with, yeah. my goodness, you know, stealing food from people, killing babies. You know, it's, it's awful. Yep. It's absolutely awful. So do we want to continue and pick back up in Matthew 24 or no? Um, so let's go maybe for about another 30 minutes if we can, because we're at yeah, two I don't hours know if now. We're gonna, I don't know if we're going to get, we'll get through all that. And we don't need to guys. We're going to be here week after week. You know what I, what I've seen in the comments is that people will take the, the topic at, at hand is judgment on Jerusalem and the temple. That's mm -hmm. the topic at hand. Mm -hmm. 
And so what people want to do is take little verses within the topic and say, that's what the topic's about. It's yeah. about the coming of Jesus. No, that's not the topic. Mm. The conversation is Jerusalem and the temple, and that's within the conversation. And that's historically been seen like, I don't know which one of you was keeps highlighting this. I think it was Corey earlier. When you look at the heading of chapters in the Bible, yeah. they're there for a reason. And they've been the commonly understood context of the chapters since yes. these since they were making chapters, right? And so right. everyone always knew that this was about right. AD 70 and the destruction of the temple. And someone had left a, a, a comment earlier I think it might have been Brad or somebody on um, Facebook and, and Serge, I think you might have addressed it. But uh, they're like, so you don't believe that this can happen again? Oh, I certainly do. Right. Well, it totally could happen again, but nowhere, literally, not supposed to. nowhere in the Bible does it say that it will. Right. It's yes. not prophesied. I do believe that evil... Right. Um, Evil wants to persecute Christians all the time. But but what, I think the question isn't, will it happen again in some mild form? Because I do believe that Revelation and Matthew 24 kind of plays itself out in each Christian's life from time to time. Uh, as we, well, I'll as, tell you. But it's not you this, type if, of shadow repeat. Right. If we take our place as kings and priests on this earth, it can't happen again. That's good. The Bible says no, where righteousness yeah. is, there is no darkness at all. Good. And the, and the world reason, is waiting for righteousness to be revealed. And if so, if we if we show up, it can't happen again. Go ahead, Corey. Well, the reason why people say that, because I hear that too. And I well, one of the reasons why people say, well, can't it happen again? Can't it be a replay? Like, can't aren't they going to build the temple again and the the blocks fall down again? Like they say that because it's in their imagination so hard they don't want to let go of it because they're scared of the unknown. But we're here to tell you that it's not unknown anymore you know paul said god's mysterious plan has been made known to us that at the culmination of the age all things in heaven and on earth would come together under the authority of christ jesus you know so the fact of that happening again it's not going to happen again so, that was the fulfillment of all that has been written the destruction yeah. and i stepped out for a second but it said that that is the fulfillment, yeah. the vengeance of what was written. So why to, would it need to be fulfilled again? We have to go back to understanding um, Luke or, or, or Matthew 23. Why did it happen? Jesus did this, okay, to the covenant breakers when he divorced oh, old the, the 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 old covenant when that old divorce that that statement of divorce you guys this can't happen again why it won't would happen it happen again? again because no one else is gonna ever crucify Christ and yeah. all the Boom. blood of all the prophets was on that generation okay so God Himself Jesus there's no more Jerusalem to destroy they would have to there's no more is... temple to destroy there's no more unless unless he was going to come and break the covenant that he made with you and me. Oh, now you preaching, sister. And he's <laughs> not going to do that. We would only, you only want this to play out again mm. because it's it's stuck in that, your brain. I felt that one. But I he's not going to divorce me. I'm remaining true. Okay? I'm following him and you're following him. And this new bride, mm -mm. this new Jerusalem, come on. it's eternal. Mm -mm. Okay? And so know, you guys, 
This is not going to happen again because it all happened for a reason. Jesus came and did this. Which is why we were telling you guys from the beginning, because earlier Christic was like, no, I get 23, but I, it's 24 that confuses me. Then you really don't get 23 or 24 wouldn't yeah. confuse you because you got to understand why 24 right. was supposed to happen. And in order to do that, you have to do 23, which is why we got there. Now, I do got to, yeah. I have to jump in here because I want to let y'all know, we don't have to get to this right now, but Christic keeps asking, okay, I can follow this, that this happened and this is for the temple and yada yada but she keeps asking but did jesus come in the clouds and i got me some Let highlights and i promise i'm out. not gonna read them all but i will read the punchline baby and you let me know when i'm allowed read it now you ready this is josephus chapter six and can i make something clear right before you get in clear it up serge we're talking about the tribulation this is it we're talking about the judgment because one person's asking about the judgment well what about the judgment this is the judgment there's not another one coming. This 23, is it. 23, 24, 25 are connected with the terminology at that in that generation and at that time. And at that time. Read them all three together yes. and you'll see it. At that time. At that time. At that time. So there's nothing to fear. Right. Right. And you are the bride. Yeah. I will. I will I'll, I'll jump in here. And there are some people that still see a great white yeah. throne judgment. Okay. Yes. Of, and, and here's the thing. When you understand that this judgment happened on Israel and he separated the sheep from the goats, okay, you're saved. You're going to heaven. Yes. If there was, yes. if, if there is a great white throne judgment, you, it doesn't matter for you. It doesn't matter for anybody. Okay. Right. If you're saved, you're going to heaven. If you're not saved, you're going to hell. But God had to make a differentiate. He had to differentiate. And this was so important. He kept saying, I have to have the wheat grow, the chaffs grow up with the wheat. He had to have the Pharisees keep living and doing what they were doing in the temple with their sacrifices as the apostles were spreading the gospel until Jesus came and cut that down. And then he separated the wheat and the chaff, those who followed Jesus and those who weren't, and that was 8070. The other yes. things that you're talking about, put those on a shelf and get those down for another day for a second, okay? We're talking about the judgment that was prophesied against Israel, against Jerusalem, yes. against the covenant breakers. Get this in your head. Covenant breakers, covenant breakers. The 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 the, the woman who played the harlot, mm. the 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 woman who had an affair. Jesus came and divorced that that woman. And that's what he says in the Old Testament. I am going to have to break. One day you're going to just go crazy on me. And I'm going to create a covenant and a marriage with everybody, not just one set of chosen people. Right. And so go ahead and read this from Josephus because this is um, an extra biblical account of Jesus coming in the but, class. But a reminder as I read this, Josephus was born in AD 37, right? Mm -hmm. Lived in during 70 AD was Jewish, was not a Christian. Yeah. I believe he died one. That's my own personal account. But he was not a Christian at the time of this writing, which is what makes it so important. Now, before I get to the punchline of, of him, Jesus having been seen in the clouds, I am going to read a couple of things that Leah missed over that I have highlighted here that are really good about the time. Yet, was the misery itself more terrible than this disorder? For one would have thought that the hill itself on which the temple stood was seething hot as full of fire on every part of it, that the blood was larger in quantity than the fire, those that were slain more in number than those that slew them, for the ground did nowhere appear visible. You couldn't even see the ground. For the dead bodies that lay on it, but the soldiers went over heaps of these bodies as they ran upon such as fled from them. 
That sounds like right. a pretty great tribulation. They also burnt down the treasury. The entire riches of the Jews were heaped together. A false, I'm just skipping over here to some of my highlights. A false prophet was the occasion of these people's destruction. Down there, this the note there says, here it justly takes notice that the Jews who had despised the true prophet uh, were deservedly abused and deluded by these false ones. So that goes to the false prophet here. Now I'm going to go ahead and and... And, and skip to a couple of other things here. There, thus, there was a star resembling a sword which stood over the city and a comet that continued a whole year. Okay. It's a sign in the These heavens. are signs in the heaven that, that a man that was not a Christian was just giving you a, a physical depiction of what happened during this well, he time. He believed that God was destroying Jerusalem, but not He did, Jesus. but he didn't think that it was, it was Jesus. Um, in the ninth hour of the night, a so great a light shone around the altar and the holy house that it appeared to be bright daytime, which lasted, which light lasted for half an hour. This light seemed to be a good sign to the unskillful, but was so interpreted by the sacred scribes as to pretend those events that followed immediately upon it. So they're they're saying like this. They were like correlating. Okay, this has to be. And God. one time that Josephus records that a heifer brought forth a lamb. Yeah. And for those that don't in the temple, it's a in cow. The temple. A cow. A cow brought forth a lamb in the temple. Right. Okay. All right. So now we're going to get to the uh, the the big part here. I, I guess I should. I, I'm going to skip some of these because there's so much that it, it, there's just a lot here. All right. So do, 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 do. where do I want to start? Um, besides these, a few days after that feast, on the 21st day of the month. Artemis, a certain prodigious and incredible phenomenon, prodigious, he speaks, this is old English, right? Uh, the Who interpreted this. An incredible phenomenon appeared. I suppose the account of it would seem to be a fable were it not related by those that saw it. Now, remember, Josephus is here writing. And were not the events that followed it of so considerable a nature as to deserve such signals. For before sun setting, Chariots and troops of soldiers in their armor were seen running about among the clouds and surrounding the cities. Moreover, at that feast, which we call Pentecost, as the priests were, and now remember this is Pentecost, were going by night into the inner court of the temple as their custom was to perform their sacred ministrations. They felt a quaking and heard a great noise. And after that, they heard a sound as of a great multitude saying, let us remove from hence, meaning it was accomplished. Let's go. But what is still more terrible, there was one guy and his name just so happened to be Jesus, not the Jesus. It was just a, a name of the time. Okay. A so, farmer. He, so he was a farmer and he runs around and he cries this and he's just like a madman, a voice from the East, a voice from the West, a voice from the four winds, a voice against Jerusalem, a holy house, a voice against the bridegrooms and the brides and a voice against this whole people. It was his cry as he went about day and night and they were so upset. This was a dire cry that they that they grabbed him and they beat him and they threw him down but still he went on with the same words which he cried before there was a divine fury in this man but turning his voice to the most lamentable tone possible at every stroke of the whip was his answer woe woe to jerusalem this is a historical account of what happened. And we just read the woes in Matthew 23. 
Y'all need to get this book, do the research. This is history that is not taught in the church. And I would say I have no idea why, but I know exactly why, because once you know our history and you see that this was fulfilled and you see that it's accomplished, then all of the things that we're waiting for when Jesus comes back and life is going to be so awesome once he comes back and destroys tyranny, that's all on us and it can happen right now. So that's why history repeats itself. That's why we see 666, Mark of the Beast, ah, because people don't know that these things happen in the first century. So the enemy is trying to replay it over and over so he can make the Christians think they don't have full dominion yet. Make them think they have to go through a tribulation. Make them think Obama's the Antichrist, such and such, all these different names are the Antichrist so that they can subject you to what these Christians had to pass through in the transitory generation. They had to pass through that because it's prophesied. We don't have to pass through that, all right? We have the dominion now. We don't have to let people kill us yes. anymore. We have dominion over this earth. The right. kingdom age is here. And someone said, why isn't that in the Bible if they saw it? That was written. Bible. I know, right? The Bible was written before 70 AD, before the temple. In. They're in the Acts. They're it in is, some of the, the New Testament yeah. works. And you see them talking about the persecutions that are going on. And honestly, the book of Revelation is really our best look at, at, at you know, John is talking to these churches. And I know he's like, I know you guys are going through a really hard time. I know it's really hard. You know, Nero in 64, he uh, set fire to Rome and he blamed it on the Christians. And there was huge persecutions of Christians even then. Um Nero, and we'll get to the beast some other time. You know, that's a whole nother beast. Corey, I don't think you were done with that thought. Well, I was just going to say, you know, people are like, well, if they saw Jesus, we should know about it. Yeah, we should know about it. But we just read a historical account that they saw Jesus in the clouds. And Jesus said, we, we haven't really closed out with Matthew 24, 34. I, and I'm not saying we're closing, but... We need to realize Matthew 24, 34. Can I read that real quick? Yeah. Because, you know, the disciples asked what will be the signs of these things. They said, and I'm going to do verse three real quick. It says, when he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will be this and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And then if you go to 34, it says this. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. That includes his coming. That includes the end of the age. That includes the famines. The, all the things before this mm -hmm. is included. And, then, and so what we're saying, what she just read, they saw chariots. They saw Jesus in the clouds as Jerusalem was being destroyed. Same time. Yeah. That, and they and the disciples knew that the thing is the disciples knew to ask that question because why because the prophets said it like that they said the yeah. end of the age was going to come the destruction of the temple and Jesus would be seen in the clouds and I have one verse here I want to throw in here guys because he'll say well where do you find that in the Old Testament Jeremiah six four through eight prepare for war against her, arise and let us attack at noon. Woe to us, for the day declines, for the shadow of evening lengthen. Arise and let us attack by night and destroy her palaces. For thus says the Lord of hosts, cut down her trees, which Josephus talks about the trees, even in Jerusalem, everything was leveled. Yep. 
capital besieged mound against Jerusalem. This is the city that must be punished. There is nothing but oppression within her. As a well keeps its water fresh, so she keeps fresh her evil. Violence and destruction are heard within her. Sickness and wounds are ever before me. Be warned, O Jerusalem, lest I turn from you in disgust, lest I make you a desolation in an uninhabited land. Mm-hmm. Like, and I have a bunch of them here, but I'm not going to read them. But the the one last one here, Zeph- Zephaniah 1, 12 through 17, but I'm just going to read the part here. It says, the great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. A mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day. A day yeah. of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness yeah. and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. And the last one, Amos 5, it says, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is yeah. darkness wow. and not light, as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light yeah. and gloom with no brightness in it? See, y'all waiting on Jesus to return. It says right here, why are you longing for that? Because it's a day of destruction. It was a day yeah. of vengeance on Jerusalem. Yeah, no, that's so good. And the woes that you see in Matthew 23... Uh, those are paralleled in Luke chapter 11. So those same Luke, the, those same woes are there, but they're actually kind of a little bit more. And uh, Luke uh, 12, 49 says, For I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it's already been kindled? So I don't, if he said, I'm come to send fire on the earth, and it's already been kindled. So that fire wasn't kindled uh, 2,000 years ago. He said, I'm, I, I've started it up. You guys are getting ready. And he constantly is talking about this age. He says in verse 54, when you see a cloud rise from the west, straightway you say a shower is coming. And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be heat. You hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the time. How is it that you do not discern this time? He's like, I'm going to bring fire. This Jerusalem is coming. This, 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 this fire is coming. I'm going to bless you. Judgment is coming. And he says it over and over and over again. And then he says over here in in 11, uh, it talks about from the blood of uh, Abel to the blood of Zacharias. And it talks about this generations. Um, And he says, woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You entered in yourselves and you kept them from from entering. And so Jesus is really coming to say, I'm come to set up my kingdom. Okay. And you guys are in the way and I'm going to get you out of the way. So I don't know how much. Do you guys want to stop here? Do you want to keep going through some of Matthew 21? Or do you want to make this you a part 24. one? Matthew 24. Do you want to make this like a stop now? Because we've been going for a while. Two and a half hours. Yeah, I think we're about good. Okay. Okay. So I just, I, this is going to open up a whole other can of worms. But Christic has been, has been on this all night. Just, and I, and I love the questions. And I know that this isn't. It actually is related. To, it's 100% related to Matthew 24. Yeah. Um, 
And when you read it, because I was opening up Second Peter like she asked, so I'm not sure when exactly Second Peter was written, but it was at least 65 AD, and I don't understand why he would have written in Second Peter 3, 4, where is this coming, he promised, ever since um, our something, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. I, I love that you're asking that, that question, but if you pause and think about it for a second, that scripture we just showed you was fulfilled in 70 AD. Um, we literally just showed does you somebody that. somebody want to go back over quick, kind of uh, quickly the temple? I think the biggest issue that she's having is, is the day of the Lord and like literally everything in the world will be destroyed. Well, let me go back and you guys can talk about the temple being the heavens and the earth, but as far yep. as the world, okay, um, Matthew 24 uh, says, but he who endures the end shall be saved and this gospel of the kingdom shall be, be preached in all the world. Um, so Acts 11:28 says, Agabus showed by the spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Um, Hackett uh, writes, over all the inhabited land, Judea and the adjacent countries, or according to some, the Roman Empire. The Greek and Roman uh, writers employed the inhabited land, which was called, Oka, it's, it's, it's the Greek word, okumene, to denote the Greek and Roman world. And a Jewish writer would naturally employ such a term to denote the Jewish world. Josephus appears to restrict the word to Palestine. And thus, not only is it biblically permissible to regard the phrase all, all the world as the Roman Empire, but the Bible also explicitly teaches that the gospel was indeed preached throughout all the world. Uh, we talked about that in Colossians just, 1. Just stop. Hang on. Well, I, I mean, on the words of... Um, in Luke 2, 1, the phrase, uh, all the world is so used, though the Greek terms are not the same as the two in the places. One uses okomene, the other cosmos, but they mean the same thing. In Romans uh, 10, 18, we talked about that. So okay. when you continue on to read Second Peter, and I would encourage all of you, or Second Peter 3, I would encourage all of you to go read it. It, it, it's, it's it's such a great expository of what we just experienced in, in everything. Um through, throughout all of this. And Christic is like, it just seems like, why would they call him scoffers? They hadn't been waiting that long. You are, you are under this idea and I've been there. So I feel for you that we have to wait a very long period of time for Christ's second coming. So you have to remove that idea from your mind of this long wait period Okay, they actually had been waiting a very yes. long time. Jesus died years. on the cross, and we would think that instantly all that happened in 70 AD should exactly. have happened right then. It should have, yes. in my humble opinion. I'm like, God, what the heck? Just do it now. Why are you giving them a, such a long 40-year period? My entire life. I'm 39 yeah. years old. My entire life he gave them, okay, up until this moment because it had to take time for the gospel to spread. He was being incredibly gracious. It was a very long time in fact to his second coming and if anybody else wants to kind of yeah it was help. a long time you think about that you you saw christ die and rise again and his kingdom it, it was all about his kingdom that's all jesus preached and then after he rose again he met with them for 40 more days and preached the kingdom even more it was all about the kingdom of god on this earth and then so he goes into heaven and then you're like it's here yeah. But then you have this old remnant still hanging on. And then 10 years goes by and you're like, what the heck? Then 20 years goes by and you're like, is this ever going to happen? Then 30 years, and you're like, what is going on, God? 
when's this remnant ever going to be moved out of the way so we could take our full position? Yeah. Corey, it was a I long want, time. I want Corey to take this. Christix, all of your her comments, just somebody just, we need to settle this in her. Yeah. Bar none. Are you seeing those comments, Corey? No, but I is about the heavens and the earth. All and these the things shall be dissolved. All, the heavens and the earth shall yeah. pass away. The elements Correct. shall melt. Okay. The noise. Just, not, let's settle it. No, I'm not reading it, but I, I know where she's coming from. And, and just hear me on this, okay? We have to understand their vocab. And the whole thing's talking about the temple. It's talking about Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden it says heavens and earth will be destroyed. Because Matthew 24, 35, it says all these things will happen in that generation. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So because we don't understand that the temple was a replica or representation of the cosmos, God's heavens, his earth, and his sea, and they called it the heavens, the earth, and the sea. They literally called it that. And I have it right here. I'm going to read it, okay? So this is from Josephus' book. Um, I think it's The War, uh, Chapter 5. And uh, let me make sure. No, this is uh, from a different part of his books, but I have one from that book also, War Chapter 5. But this one, it says, as for the inside, I think this is book three of, of the Exodus with Moses. Um, it says, as for the inside, Moses parted its length into three partitions at the distance of 10 cubits. This is talking about the temple from the most sacred end. Moses placed four pillars whose workmanship was the very same of that of the rest, and they stood upon it like bases with them, each a small matter distant from his fellow. Now the room within these pillars was the most holy place, but the rest of the room was the tabernacle. This was open for the priests. However, this proportion of the measures of the tabernacle proved to be an imitation of the system of the world. Okay, let me keep reading. For that third part thereof which was within the four pillars of which the priests were not admitted is as it were in heaven. A N is how they said a heaven peculiar to God, but the space of the 20 cubits as if it were sea and land on which men live. And this part is peculiar for the priests only. All right. So one last thing it says in it's a, uh, you know, line four, I don't want to say verse, it's a historical book, but it's the war chapter five, number four. It says, as to the holy house itself, which was placed in the midst in the innermost court, that most sacred part of the temple, it was ascended to be 12 steps in the front of its height and breadth were equal and each a hundred cubits, though it was behind 40 cubits narrower, for on its front, it had what may be styled shoulders on each side, that passed 20 cubits farther. Its first gate was 70 cubits high and 25 cubits broad, but this gate had no doors, for it represented the universal visibility of heaven. Okay, so, and, and I could keep reading. It's a long the paragraph. The temple, you guys, you have to put yourself in, your, we are modern Christians in the year 2000. You have to put yourself, this was written, Matthew was written to Jews. Yeah. Okay, Hebrews, whose whole world, you guys, imagine if God the lived only there. way I can describe this is if if there if Jesus had come and said, We're ending Christianity. 
we're ending repentance for sins. We're ending that's it all. It. And you've got to do a new thing now. Okay. Right, How it. devastated would you be? You're not going, we're not, you're never going to go to church again. You're never going to, you're never going to do. No, you have to understand that Jesus was coming to say your way that you're reaching heaven. I'm destroying that heaven and earth, the temple. They knew what he meant. The temple is going to be destroyed. You guys, it was everything. You have to put yourself in the mind of a first century. I'm trying to think of a Jew. good comparison. And for those of you that are watching, I think most of you watch our show. Heaven and earth. You know that we, and I, this will come in again when we talk about the, the beast and in Revelation. This is the best comparison I have. We refer to the vaccine as the jab. Mm-hmm. If somebody had no idea of what happened in 2020, they didn't understand the context of anything, mm -hmm. and they were just reading somebody saying, I took the jab. I right. think of a javelin, like being jabbed with yeah. something or like mm -hmm. a fork. Or, I would not go to needle in the arm mRNA vaccine. Right. My mind would not think that yeah. if I was reading. But we know that it's the jab. When So when Jesus was pointing and said, the heavens and the earth shall pass away, and, and they all knew that they called the temple, the heavens and the earth. It's sad that we aren't taught this history because if you had been taught that, raise your hand if you're watching our show, please. I would love to see some feedback. If, you're, if you had been taught that the temple was always referred to or often referred to by the Jews as the heavens and the earth and the sea, and then, and you had never heard modern end times theology, anything like that. And you read Jesus saying the heavens and the earth shall pass away as he's pointing at the temple and he's talking and in context of this conversation, what would you think? Here's another scripture for you guys to write down. So write down uh, Luke 19. Okay. Um, and we're going to just verse 38. Um, there was a triumphal entry of Jesus. He came in on the donkey and they were saying, blessed is the king that comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, master rebuke these people. And he said unto them, I tell you that if these would hold their peace, the stones would cry out. And when he was come near them, he beheld the city and he wept. Mm. Now, why would he weep? I'll tell you why saying, so here the Pharisees are coming and saying, make them stop saying that you're the king. And he cried and he said, if you had known, even you, at least in this day, the things which belong to your peace, but for now they are hid from your eyes for the days will come upon you that your enemies will cast a trench about you and compass you around and keep you in on every side. He is talking to these people. I have to understand, you guys, Dr. Fauci meets Jesus face to face. And, and Jesus says to Dr. Fauci, I am going to destroy the CDC. And it's going to happen in your lifetime. Do you think Jesus is going to do it? And then, if the, and then the CDC is destroyed. Okay. <laughs> For these days shall come upon you that your enemies will cast a trench about you. And, and shall lay you even to the ground and your children. So a generation, right? So these guys that he's talking to are probably 50, 60 years old. 
Okay, so they didn't live to see 8070, but he says, and your children within you, and they shall not leave in you one stone upon another because you didn't know the time of your visitation. That visitation was the coming of Christ in the clouds when he destroyed Jerusalem. And then, right after he says that, he grabs his whip, he goes into the temple, and he says, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Hello. This is God just really ripping these guys to shreds because they were... Here he is, the Messiah, and they're saying... You're not the Messiah. Get out of here. We want you dead. We want to kill you. We want you dead. You guys got to put yourself, and we can finish this up, but put yourself in this, in this time frame. Jesus is the Messiah. And those who kept the law and the Torah and were supposed to know the signs and the times, they studied it day in, day out. The one thing they were looking for was the Messiah. The one thing they were looking for was the Messiah. And he looked them in the eyes and he said, I am coming to destroy you because you have been killing the people that I have been sending for thousands of years. And on you and on this generation, I am going to require of you all the blood. And so those who got the message, that's why there was a 40 year lag because he didn't want anybody to perish and so the disciples went out there and they warned them and that's what you think you're going you're doing right now with the end times jesus is coming jesus is coming repent jesus is coming no your message now is jesus came repent and he can bring destruction on you if you don't repent but the message that he came was i am come i'm setting up my kingdom and i'm going to do this one thing and i'm separating you guys so get on the right side of history or What's going to happen is all those Jews ran straight into Jerusalem and they went straight into the city and they were surrounded by armies and their scripture after scripture after scripture of him, of him telling you guys this is going to happen. And it's been brainwashed into your head and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to give you a little piece of history that I haven't done yet because the what you believe about the seven-year rapture and what you believe about this straight tribulation is only 150 years old. John Darby and C.I. Schofield, the Schofield Reference Bible, they created a premillennial dispensationalism that is not biblical, it's not in the Bible, and nobody has ever believed. There is no such thing as a seven-year tribulation and a rapture in the Bible. You can't find it. There's no seven-year tribulation in the Bible. Not at all anywhere. Not anywhere. There's a taking away, and they put scriptures together, and they lie to you, and they deceive you. And I'm trying to take the poison out of your head right now. Because if you don't get it out of your head, then you're going to continue to hand this keys over to the devil because I'm telling you that this end times message is what's causing transgender children. This end times message is what's causing abortion. This end times message is what's causing all the stuff that you're seeing right now. You're causing it. Stop it and wake up. And this is what I pray about all day every day is that you guys would wake up and you would get it. Because the kingdom of God is within you. You reign as a king and priest and you're handing it over to Satan. And you're saying, oh, it's going to be for Jesus. And Corey Gray made a post the other day. 
And God love my premillennial dispensationalist, but you are literally scoring for the other team. And I'm not saying that you are doing it, but I'm saying that this end times theology is why children are cutting their breasts off. It's why little boys are cutting their wieners off because of the end times theology, because you think the world has to get worse and worse before Jesus comes back. And I need you to wake up because we got to stop it. And I'm going to stop because I just went off. I'm sorry. No, amen. Jeez. It, 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 it's, it's, it, we try to be nice about it. We try to be, we try to talk to you guys about it and be nice and kind and la, la, la land. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's, we, we had, we had a nation. We had one nation under God. We had the people who had the right end times theology that the kingdom of God was getting better and better and better. And they didn't have the fullness of it, but they believed that they were coming out of the tribulation and that they were ushering in the thousand year reign here on earth. And our founding fathers believed that. And they created the greatest nation in the entire world. And then because it was so good, the devil got in there and twisted with people's minds. And there's a guy named John Darby he created a theology called dispensationalism. And then it came to America, Dwight L. Moody, through the, and, and this guy named C.I. Schofield, who was a deadbeat dad, left his wife and kids, Baptist, God love you, but you're, you're reading a Bible by a guy who divorced his wife and was a deadbeat dad, and I know how you guys hate divorce. And then he married the same, and then he married somebody else the year his wife divorced him. So, so with that, with that end times theology, it got put in a Bible called the Schofield Reference Bible. And what you believe about this dispensationalism, premillennialism, seven-year rapture, which was really created by a girl in Scotland, she's like, oh, I think there's going to be a rapture. And then it's going to be these special people. And it was actually supposed to be just special people, but then they kind of expanded it, okay? Because the Plymouth Brethren, where this came from, they were very, oh, it's just going to be us. And then it kind of expanded. It came to America in just the past 150 years. And this dispensational study notes... We're all in the Bible, the C.I. Schofield Bible, this deadbeat dad who was an alcoholic, who left his wife, who, and then the, uh, a million Bibles were sold and this millions of Bibles went out. And you guys are, if you were just stuck with the Geneva Bible and their study notes, you'd be fine. But you got study notes from a guy who added crazy radical things into this Bible that don't make sense. And they're not real. And you have to take... You know why you only read from the New Testament? You know why you only read from the epistles mostly in church? It's because of stupid dispensationalism, which says the Old Testament and mostly and the Gospels. The reason you guys don't know the Gospels, you don't know them because they don't teach them because that's for the Jews and that's for Israel. And they don't teach the Old Testament because that's dispensationalism. That's for Israel. But the promises of God and Abraham are for us and for everybody who would believe on Jesus. And I'll be done. Okay, that's Leah's final thought. That's, um, Tracy wants to know, should I get rid of my Schofield study Bible? Yes. I wouldn't say burn it because I don't think you should burn a Bible, but I would not keep it in. I don't use it. Um, <laughs> to a couple of the comments here and I get, and we're going to have these people and I'm going to address you and we're happy to have this discussion with you. Cause like Corey said in the, um, round table discussion that they had on Monday, we can have civil discussions. If anybody has an issue with the passion that Leah just exuded you would have had an issue with jesus taking his time 
to braid his little whip um, and going yeah, into were. the table and turning over the money changers. Man Someone up. said that's emotionalism. That yeah, was Jesus' emotionalism. It doesn't make you emotional that little boys are cutting their wieners off? No, I'm glad you got passionate because you know what? I've been feeling that same way inside for many years. I, that's what keeps me driving because I see the same thing you see. This end times BS is what's allowing the church to sit back and do nothing while these demon worshipers run around. Well, I'm not sitting back doing nothing. I can tell you that, Serge, Jason, we're not sitting back. We're out here trying to help and to and to see people act, call us names and, oh, you don't believe the Bible. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Man, why are you even on here then? If, if you want to cause problem, or, you know, passion isn't needed and yelling isn't needed. Guys, that's the problem. Christians that can't hear, can't have discussions, try to throw water on people for being passionate. I'm glad you're passionate. It shows you're alive. And I'm glad that you're, I, I want to yell too sometimes and shake people and wake them up. Look, it's not the end of the planet. Because you know what keeps me fired up is I, I lived and worked with this minister and he was in charge of like many youth. And I was like, what are you going to do when you grow up? What's your future? What's your plans? They said, well, I was going to go to school. Um, but, you know, it's the last day. So, you know, I'm just going to preach the gospel. And I'm like, well, what do you mean preach the gospel? They're preaching it's the end of the world is what they're preaching. And so they didn't go to school. They didn't get an education. I'm trying to help them. Then I end up hanging out with a bunch of, they're a little bit younger than me in their 20s. I'm 36, but like 20, 25, getting married. They don't want to have kids because how horrible it will be for those who are pregnant in those days. They think it's their day. They're, the pastors are teaching the youth that it's the tribulation. So they're not having kids and they're not going to school. Tell me that there's nothing wrong with that. Tell Last me that that week, isn't helping the wrong team. Last week, Joy and Matt came on. Joy tells us when she was 15 years old, 16, 16 years old, she made, she was a Christian homeschooled. She had this end times theology. She made a purposeful choice in well, her mind. Well, she was saving herself for marriage. She knew that she wanted to always, as a Christian, as a homeschooled girl, she always wanted to save herself for marriage. And she went and purposefully got pregnant because she wanted to have kids before Jesus came back. Yeah, it's because just, her parents for a little while got really involved in this end time stuff. And one of my favorite uh, guys that I listen to is Bruce Gore. He would never do what I just did. He's very calm, <laughs> very peaceful man. More people should. Okay. But he, he's an older gentleman. Okay. And by older, I say that he uh, went and heard a famous preacher, an end times preacher named Hal Lindsey, who came out of the whole Schofield teachings and Dallas Theological Seminary. And he grabbed onto this and he wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. And it was published in 1970. And so in the, the, the 60s, I believe, Bruce Gore went to hear him and he said he was so captivated. And on the last day, he told the people, he didn't say, I'm not going to put a date on when Jesus is going to come back. But I would be, because of Russia and all the different things happening, but I would be surprised if he didn't come back by 1980. And... Um, so Bruce Gore almost didn't go to college or learn anything because he's like, well, why should I? Jesus is going to come back. Well, it's 2023. And he's like, I'm glad that my now wife, I believe, encouraged me to go to college and get my degree, encouraged me to like, live my life and have a family. And now he teaches what we teach uh, because he wants people to recognize that um, this teaching, it's the same teaching for, uh, that Mormons have 
a, a lot of this teaching came out of the 1860s with the Seventh Day Adventists. They Somebody kept... was asking if we're Seventh Day Adventists. And I'm no, like, because we're the, the opposite. The Seventh Day Adventists, they in the in they came out of a school of thought in the 1840s that believed that Jesus was going to come back in like a, at a certain date. I think it was 1844 he was going to come back, and he didn't, and everybody was devastated. And then they recalculated, and they said, well, he's going to come back in another 10 years, and then he didn't. And then they recalculated. They've been recalculating since the inception of the modern end times theory, and I'll, and my final thought will just be this, and it will be addressing one of the questions again from Christic, and I'm just so glad that you're here. When it comes to... And you um, stayed through my rant Has everything. This, this, this well everything that we taught you here tonight, the history, Josephus, Christians knew... For 2,000 years, it was taught. Everybody knew the history. Everybody understood that the Jerusalem, that, that, that Jesus was talking about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And they did not believe. I'm not going to get passionate. I don't need to. Even though that was really good, by the way. Very anointed. I'm in the room with you. I felt the fire of God. They did not believe in a seven-year tribulation and a rapture. That did not exist until 150 years ago. And it just goes to show you how quickly... Theology can be brainwashed into or out yeah. of a generation. So in mm -hmm. the matter of about four or five generations, I guess about four, we have seen this, this rewriting of Christian history and teaching of yeah. what the Bible actually says. So we're not bringing you anything new because I think you use the word Gnostic. Gnostic is this idea that only we know this stuff. No, Gnostics are different, different teachings outside of the Bible. This is literally right, but, but special knowledge. Bible. We don't have any special knowledge. We are teaching you the same thing that the church knew for 2000 years. And it's only been taken out over the past 150. My study note in this archaeological bible says matthew 24 was fulfilled in 8070 this is not something new it's only new to you exactly okay there's nothing new about this all right so I, i'm done leah's done you guys can take your final thoughts away in whatever order you want i still go back to this anything that strips you away from the promises of god it's not right and this end times message strips you away from the promises of god it takes away the inheritance that we've been given, which is the earth. The earth belongs to the righteous. As Corey talked about in the first episode that we did with you guys, is that the Bible always talks about the unrighteous being removed, evil being removed, not the righteous. We're here forever. So you're like, well, you've just taken my end times away. Now what do I have to look forward to? Here's what you have to look forward to, that you get to go and possess the earth now. You get to go and be a literal king on this earth and start ruling over it. Start letting God shine his glory through you and cover the earth with it. That's where we're at today. And those are my final thoughts. Jason. I have quite a few. Um, Take your time. But I'm going to touch on 2 Peter 3 that you guys touched on. There's even timestamps in that when it talks about by the same word, this is in verse seven, same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. There's no heaven and earth. The temple is gone. Like, I feel we kind of went off that. But Corey was saying the heaven and earth was a temple. And this is Peter writing to the people saying this present heaven and earth. And they read earlier, Josephus talked about how it was burnt by fire. 
And then as it reads down a little bit later in verse 12, as you look forward to the day of God and speedy's coming. That reference when we started getting into Second Peter, it's all about you, that generation. All these things that most people bring up that are coming from the modern end times theory, when you sit back and read it, it, it tells us when it happened. Throughout the Bible, it tells us when it happened. And that's one thing. Jesus brought a better covenant. Mm. And the people of that generation, because I actually had Second Peter up the whole night, or yeah, Second Peter three, because the Lord, verse nine, the Lord is slow in keeping his promise, and some as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Why did it take from Christ's death 40 years to the temple fall? Like, why didn't he do it once? I think it was you, Michelle, that said he should have just did it all together. It makes more sense. Because he gave Jeru Jerusalem and the Jews 40 years to repent. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been fair. He said, here's a better way. The Jewish people had the same access that we have to accepting the better covenant. It wasn't a divorce. It was saying, here, here's a better one. We're taking the old and making it better. But the thing was, the gate was narrow. It was only through Christ. And what happened? Over a million of them, what, rejected that gate. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's what happened in 78. They rejected the invitation to step into the better covenant because the old covenant was done away. They had to come through Christ. And just to kind of last final thought, it's the gospel of the good news. Gospel means good news. The end times message steals your joy. You're sitting at the rapture bus stop hoping that this is the day it comes because life the must get horrible. Bus stop. You never heard that? No, that's good. It's my like first little time. people are sitting at a bus stop saying, this is the day the bus takes me away. That's not a message of hope. The kingdom has come and expanding. Just as light expands, the kingdom is expanding. And that's the message of hope that the kingdom, the gospel is a hopeful message. And the end times message is not hopeful. And so we need to get off the rapture bus stop and to manifest heaven on earth. So that's my final thought. That's so good. Corey Gray. No, this is good. I don't think a discussion like this has made it to the surface yet. Um, just guys, I know that this is new to many of you and it's not new to us. So sometimes we can come out like, why doesn't everyone get it? Um, so if you're watching this for the first time, hearing it the first time, um, that's awesome. You made it through. But don't think that this is, I mean, think about the fruit of what we're bringing forth. The fruit of believing you're going to leave this earth um, or it's going to be destroyed will cause you to not inherit your inheritance. The Bible says the meek inherit the earth, but the devils work so hard to make the body of Christ think it's the end of the earth. It's never been about the end of the earth. It's never going to be about the end of the earth. It was the end of an age and it's the end of the enemy on this earth. Jesus said, now is the time, John 12, 31, now is the time for judgment on this world. He said, now, actually, now the prince of this world will be driven out. Yes. So it was the judgment on Jerusalem, and we're supposed to be driving the enemy off this planet. This planet's ours. But if you believe in the rapture, if you believe that it's the end of the planet, not the end of the age of Moses, like the Bible teaches, then you won't possess your inheritance. Okay. I wouldn't start businesses. I wouldn't farm. I wouldn't do all the stuff that I do you know, with our churches and all this stuff, it was the end of the planet. Why bother? 
Why would I invest years in developing a farm or educating, you know, helping people get educated and all this stuff if it was the end of the planet? I wouldn't. All right. And so many people out there haven't done their dreams because of what they've been taught in the church. And I know it's hard hearing this because maybe you've it involves like humbling yourself and saying, man, what if I was wrong? And what if, if you've been teaching it too? That's another level of being humble. And it's okay. Like we understand how you got there. And we're just saying that that's not the truth. It's not the end of the planet. There's a world without end. God's heaven is invading earth. The only end times you have to worry about is all of heaven invading the earth and things getting better and better. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I got. That's so oh, that's good. So, so, good. so Christic, I want to make clear, cause, um, I think it's a, she, uh, was like, if this is, if asking questions is going to get me singled out, then I, you know, I won't bother listening and you can have your echo chamber, but I don't think that's what you want. And that's not what we want. And I, I want to take a little, um, play from, from the book that surges. You guys need to understand. We discuss these things amongst ourselves yeah. and we plan and we strategize and we encourage and we lift up. And one of the discussions that we had this week was giving a message like Leah just gave. And then also relating and then the other side of that is making sure that we are relating this message in a way that is full of love and that you guys can receive and so you're not being singled out i'm saying your name because you're posting the the comments but frankly we need you I, I need you here asking those questions because with you asking those questions, then we are able to answer them. You are representing the same questions and your questions are very insightful and they show that you know the word and that you are looking at it and analyzing it. And so I, I want to congratulate you, right? And I'm so glad that you're here. I absolutely do not want you to leave. And so be patient with us. And I will say this about any sort of echo chamber. Um, we have all reached these conclusions by reading the word. I tell you how I reach these conclusions. I asked Jesus to reveal himself to me in the Old Testament. And what I haven't gotten to at all, because I really wanted to get through Matthew 24 so you could kind of see that that was fulfilled. Because that one even historians say is fulfilled. It's really not very controversial except in certain dispensational circles. Um but um, my heart is, is the, the Old Testament, and I want you to know the promises there are for you. And if you're, if you're a dispensationalist, which is a premillennial, pre-raptured person, seven-year tribulation person, usually, you're going to read these Old Testament promises of a new heaven and new earth where people live to an old age and they still die. Um, and you're going to say, well, that's not for now. That's not for me. That's not for me. That's not for me. And you're going to, you're not going to see Jesus and you're not going to see, Jesus said that he pulled aside the disciples and he spent days revealing Jesus and the uh, messianic prophetic word of Jesus in the Old Testament to them. And when you see these cross references and you see Jesus, like my whole Bible, and you guys can see 
is written. I've got cross-references everywhere. And we haven't had time because there's not enough time to go over everything. But Isaiah 53, Daniel 9, 26, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 are all Matthew 24. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. For it had been good for that man if he had not been bored. And, and it was actually Judas that was um, prophesied there. And it's absolutely amazing. And to the coming of the clouds. I'll just, I'll end with this. Um, Jesus was going before Caiaphas and they sought witnesses against Jesus. And they said, this guy says that he is able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, aren't you going to say anything? And Jesus didn't say anything. And the high priest said, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us whether you are the Christ, the son of God. And he said, you have said it. Nevertheless, I will say unto you, hereafter, you will see the son of man sitting on the right hand of God and coming in the clouds of heaven. Hereafter. He is, he is telling his accusers and they're saying, are you the son of God? And he says, you're going to see me sitting on the right hand of God and coming in the clouds of heaven. And when you look up and do your blue letter Bible, look up the word coming and you're going to see Matthew 24, Luke 21, all says the son of man is going to come in the clouds of heaven. And he is explaining in this moment when they're getting ready to decide his fate, it's come, it's sitting, these are together seated at the right hand of the father mm. and coming in the clouds of mm, heaven. Mm, mm. You're going to see me in my kingdom and in coming in the clouds of heaven. You're going to see me. You're going to see me. You're going to see this happen in your lifetime, in this generation. You're going to see this all happen. And when we end Luke 21 and when we end Matthew 24, it says all these things will happen in this generation. Now, pulling out my hair and I'm not talking to any specific person. I'm talking to everybody who believes in the premillennial dispensationalism or even just a rapture in a seven year tribulation. Or even if you, if you're believing for a tribulation, I'm saying to you, if you're looking for the son of man to come in the clouds of heaven, if you're waiting for this day, it's happened. The title of today's show is, is the great tribulation for Christians? The answer no. is no, unequivocally. No, we have, I believe that through these scriptures, we have presented to you a strong enough case, even though we can't get to them all to show you that that great tribulation that they were talking, if you want to say type in shadow, it's going to happen in the future. You can believe what you want to believe. There's no scriptures to back up your belief, but you, go ahead, believe it, whatever. But at the very least, what was spoken of here, this Unless tribulation Jesus is a liar was fulfilled. And there's a great book that I encourage you all to get. And it's called the last days, according to Christ. And it's by Jesus. our Jesus, Jesus, last days, according to Jesus. I think it's, it's Christ or Jesus. Just Google whichever one. It's R.C. Sproul. Yeah. And what he does, he breaks this down and, and throughout history, historians have said, your prophet, your Jesus, his Perusa, his second coming didn't happen. He wasn't a Messiah because he, if you read the four gospels, he said, he's coming in that generation. He says, he's coming to destroy you in that generation. Didn't happen, not the Messiah. But this is literally the greatest Christian apologetic to tell your friends, to tell your atheist friends. I got a savior who prophesied that he was going to come back and destroy Jerusalem, and he did in a generation. 
to the T. He was, a pro he was more than a prophet. He was the Messiah. All right, there's so much more to unpack in Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays. Literally, this is probably going to take a year worth. And I kid you not. So 52 episodes, you can count on them. Um, at least half of those will be with uh, Serge and Jason and Corey if they're available to come. I think every other week for sure, and possibly more than that, we're going to have them back. But they're going to be doing a Monday roundtable, Kingdom Roundtable. Go, and we'll try to restream that on our Rumble channel. But go to Kingdom Roundtable right now on Rumble and subscribe. You can find all of their details because Serge and Jason have an amazing um, resource on breakawaykingdomhub.com. There's a lot of resources there that they've been working on. Corey Gray has a book, Born Again as Kings. I want you to go to amazon.com right now and get that book. Order it today. This is not to put money in Corey's pocket. I'm guessing he's probably out on this. I don't know when he'll actually start making money on this puppy, but um, this is going to transform your life i don't make books for money that's for sure <laughs> exactly so i i really want you guys to get plugged into this message and we have a whole lot of other resources and we're not the only ones johnny enlow has come out on this corey's been on daystar canada that's gone viral everybody that's hearing this message right now it is resonating with them now is the time for the revelation red pill it's going to go down easy for a lot of people and christic please come back every week because we need your comments I'm going to be they sad when you stop asking toes. questions. Yeah, once you actually realize all of this and you're like, ah, I know this no, is it. What you're I gonna, want you to ask the what questions. What you're going to do is you're going to be like, oh, I see it. And then this scripture. <laughs> and then this scripture. Because when you see That's it. That's why I say where the Holy Ghost comes in. He starts like, ghosting everybody. The you Holy can't Ghost. get rid of the truth once you hear it. All right, so um, if you three could stick around, I have one thing that I want to share with you when we end here. But um, uh, can someone close us in a very brief prayer? Anybody? Jason. Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures um, that we can just go through and just see what you've done for each one of us that reveals your character as our heavenly father and shows us the fullness of what Christ did when he came to this earth and what he fulfilled and what we get to walk in today. We thank you for each person that was here. We thank you that their hearts will just take the seed that has been sown from the word of God and that they will grow. And that if there's questions that they feel the freedom to ask it and to search it out, because Lord, you tell us if we ask, seek and knock, you will give us the wisdom that we desire. So Lord, we just thank you for just a spirit of humility for us yes. and everybody that heard these words that we will continue to ask, seek and knock for you to reveal your glory, that we will get revelation to what has been done and what we're to do today for your kingdom. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, Kimberly says, God bless you all. Our children deserve a hope and a future. Teresa says, wonderful teaching everyone. Um, I have so many amazing comments throughout. You guys have been awesome. I love being engaged. I'm so glad that you guys are here, and I hope that you will join us next Wednesday and next Monday at the Kingdom Roundtable as well. And, and really get plugged in to this message. It yeah, is going so to transform your life. Yeah, so next we're going to have Joy and Matt back on, and we're going to delve into more of the symbolism in the book of Revelation. Which explains things like the heaven and the earth and how all of this stuff, it makes sense once you see the biblical, what we call imagery. Once you have the keys. Which the, uh, the theologians, as uh, Corey likes to call them, love that kind of stuff. So, all right, we love you guys. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory. If it's the truth, if you've been lied to about end times, 
theory and you're now in the waking up of it. And I'm so excited about this. It's literally the only thing that we talk and pray about all the time. So guys know we are totally in on this 100%. Feel free to send us your messages. We'll see you next week, Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bye guys. God bless.